welcome to a miserable podcast of secrets, the official podcast of TNL, which you can find at the-nextlevel.com, or just type in the next level in your Google browser and you'll find it near the top. Right, Nick? You'll find it at the very tip top, I'm Very told. tip top. Are you like in a haunted house? I keep hearing creaking. So anyway, <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about our favorite, I think I can speak for everyone on this, our favorite Canadian former medical software company, design company, BioWare. <laughs> Hold on, is Chuck's doing leg lifts or something? That's not even me. That is not even me. <laughs> Someone's in a haunted house, that's all I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get started and do introductions. Um, I am always am Eric Manch. You know me as Sleeve on the TNL forums. And uh, next we have Chuck Forrester. And, well, I won't speak for him. I'm, uh, I'm Chuck's on the forum, and uh, it's good to be here. And next we have Chris Rubin, better known as... Not paying attention on the forums. <laughs> And uh, I'm here. To his immediate left, we have Mizzo or Mauricio Massetti. Yo. And finally, we have Nick Flamakis, our right. honorary Greek and uh, fearless and, forum leader. And highly honored Greek, too. So, anyway, BioWare obviously has been a lot in the news lately because their new game, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, has been taking the community and the market by storm a lot of people are into this game it's the latest massively multiplayer online game to hit the market and uh, i know a lot of you guys are playing it not all of us i am not but i've played other bioware games in the past and uh, what we'd like to do is just sort of talk about bioware games our experiences with them and um hopefully the newest entry in the series the old republic um, I thought we'd get into this with Baldur's Gate and start off with that. I'm still rolling my character over and over again until I get high stats. Mizzo, as, a, as an added uh, bonus for us all, is actually playing this as we speak. So it's a bit of a live blog here with his uh, his experiences in Baldur's Gate. So I expect a lot more whining than usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense! What is this? I don't need intelligence as a fighter, right? I mean, seriously. No. I, I mean... Yeah, I only had a little bit of experience with Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, and it's pretty much the exact same experience I also had with Fallout, and I'm trying to remember what else I played back then. There were, like, a few other um, earlier PC RPGs. And, like I was telling the other guys earlier, it was basically just the whole thing of each time I would go in and I would create a character, which was like, oh, man, you can actually, like, make a class and give them social skills if you want. So I kind of want to make a guy who can, like, talk through his way through stuff and yeah. every single game they always start off and they're like okay you're in the middle of a dark dungeon somewhere or you're in a prison now fight your way out and my guy would always just have like you know all all of these these speech abilities and be completely <laughs> helpless against spiders that are like you know this up to his waist and they would just bite him to death he's got like a trying top to punch hat. them he's got like a top hat and a monocle he's like oh my dear rat would you kindly move out of the way and then it bites yeah. you in the nuts and you die instantly talk your way out of this dungeon man <laughs> i mean it was always the same like in one game it would be rats and when it would be spiders it was just always that like what the fuck is this shit let me start off in a town for once is that really so hard guys i mean they kept doing it but later on you know they eventually started giving you basic combat skills along with the ability to talk 
so that it wasn't like, oh, you you rolled a, a role-playing class? Well, uh, yeah, too bad. Get fucked. Um, die in your <laughs> starting prison. I'd always recommend picking a, a punching dude to start just to get used to the game. It's always nice to just have a dude that can fight. That's that's basically where I start. Yeah, your partners can usually make up for a lot of stuff once you start getting into the game. But uh, you do need to survive the uh, tutorial, which is often difficult. So. Mm-hmm. That's just a Western yeah. RPG convention from back in the day. It's definitely not that way anymore. The tutorials these days are you just plow through it no matter what you are, which is great. It's the way it should be. But back then, they actually would not take that into account. Like, oh, it's a tutorial? Yeah, the tutorial's going to kill you. Like, huh, what did I learn from this experience? Don't roll that class. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't have like a huge amount of experience with the first two i experimented briefly with the multiplayer in the second but since i hadn't played much of it single player it just did not make any sense to me it was like okay no, people was, are just was Baldur's gate Rev- revolutionary in any way i mean i i did it really what what took distinguished well, it from the crowd i think one of the biggest things it did i don't remember a game doing before this uh was uh your i mean you have your uh, alignment you know uh lawful good chaotic evil whatever you want to make them i forgot what the full gamut goes but i think it's what is it it's like lawful neutral and chaotic and then good yeah, and bad, then three variations good, evil, of each or, yeah so uh you get to pick those and then your ai partners also have uh, their own alignments and they don't always get away get along with each other and they have some hilarious conversations and uh, i think that's what it brought to the table more than anything was uh just a uh, really cool character interaction, not just between you and uh, the NPCs you meet along the way, but also just amongst your party members. I remember that being a big thing that I hadn't really seen too much of in previous games. It, while it may have existed, I, I can't tell you because I don't play every piece of shit PC game that comes out. And it's something so. that Bioware is known for yeah, to, and, to yeah, this right. day. And that's something that they have been known for in the last few years. So, um, Yeah, I mean, part of that, it's... I mean, it would definitely existed in a lot of the earlier D&D RPGs. I mean, you could pick alignment and you had some effect, but it wasn't nearly to the extent, I don't think, that Bioware did here. Um, and then along with that, they also, I mean, really built on the community just with the expansion and the sequel and the ability to import your character through all of them um, and actually get additional bonus stuff. Like, um, there's a... I think it was a suit of armor where there was one piece of the armor in each of the three games. <laughs> and you had to get all three in order to unlock it. And it was this really powerful equipment, but, you know, it was just kind of interesting that they actually had some planning for that. I don't I don't know if it was added in a later patch. I think it was in uh, the early game, and it was just people didn't know what it did. And then by the third game, it was like, oh, man, full set of armor. That's awesome. So they did a lot of connection, but yeah, I think a, a big part of it was the writing. I mean, it wasn't as good as something like Planescape Torment, but it was pretty Which awesome. Which, of course, at the was time. based on the Baldur's Gate engine, I believe. Yeah. That one was, uh, what's the name of the other company that did almost exactly the same games? For the uh, there's Obsidian, Obsidian, which used to be. That was Obsidian, right? Yeah. Well, they I, think were they, part I think of, they were Black they were Isle in, at that time. Yeah, they were part of Black Isle. Black Isle right. Studios, right. And just like they do now, they licensed other people's technology to make I their games. I played a hell of a lot of Planescape Torment, and Planescape Torment is Dialogue City. Like, that is talking to everybody all the time, or swapping the chant, or whatever you want to call it, and it was pretty damn good. 
even talk your way out of fighting the final boss. But whatever, that's not Bioware, so yeah. let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's cut that off right now. <laughs> they, so they do have a history together. They they kind of they go in and out because they they actually did work together a while ago. I know, like Chucks was saying, he hasn't played uh, the Baldur's Gate before. I think. Yeah. Wh- I what was your all. first experience with Bioware Mass Gate? Effect? Or no, no Coder. I, I played Kodor, but the problem... No, you know what? I did play Mass Effect first, and then that kind of ruined Kodor for me. I saw people I play Kodor. I could see that happening. I, could definitely, um, I did it the other way around, and I could definitely see that happening. Well, yeah, and you know, I played Mass Effect, and I was like, oh man, these games are great. Let me go get um, Kodor, because it was like five bucks on Steam. And I played it for 20 minutes, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just not ever going to play this all the way through. I can't do it. <laughs> so it's unfortunate, because I know they're great. And I'm playing the Old Republic, and I know there's a lot of throwbacks to it, mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate. Well, but let's, let's so work much. our way up to the modern stuff so that we, you know, yeah. let's, let's get some progression here so that we don't just jump right in and say how awesome the new ones are and make the old ones look like crap. Because back in the day, they were very, very good. I think what we'll do is just go through these chronologically, like the best I can. Like, I, I know that we have them in this different order on the list, but I think. Um, since Star Wars, the Knights of the Old Republic first game came out in like 2003, I think we'll get a, get to that pretty soon. Oh yeah, there, um, there aren't that many games to go through, to be honest. Uh, who yeah, has played? Yeah. Who has actually played Baldur's Gate? I haven't. I, have I haven't. But it was always a kind of a holy grail to me. It looked looking at it in PC Gamer, I mm-hmm. thought this is like the best game I could ever want to play. It's exactly <laughs> the game I want to play. Unfortunately. But you hate I yourself. Didn't, I didn't so. have anybody. To, I wanted to play it, you know, multiplayer, and you—it's not like a console where you can have two people sitting with controllers and play. So I never got anybody to play with me, and so I never, you know, I ended up. I went to Planescape Torment, something I could play alone, and I didn't feel like I was missing out by not having because uh, Baldur's Gate was was uh, online multiplayer only. Is it really? I believe. I don't. I, if you could hook Baldur's up a LAN. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you meant only, like, it's an MMO, and I'm like, I don't think that's true. No, I just meant that I, I had no one to play with. I I, I would have, I said, I kept saying, I'll play it with a group, I'll play with a, someone else, I'll play with someone else in the future, and I never, I just never got around to playing it. And it was never at the right price for me, either, because I didn't have a big budget for PC games at that time. Because they didn't have Steam sales back then? Yeah, you couldn't get, right. you know, every game in a totally series for twenty five back then. This looks way worse than I remember. P.S. Is it, is it stunning 640 by 480? There's probably a HD mod out there somewhere. No, I'm going to play this. Yeah, there's HD mods for everything these days. Bumps it up to 800 by 600. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what we used to to think was absolutely amazing, and then we moved on to like higher resolutions and better graphics, and we looked at some of the old stuff, and it's like, how did I see anything at this resolution and this frame rate? Like, yeah, what is going on? Like when Definitely I went back to, to Chrono back. Cross, and it was like the character models looked like rolling balls of color across the screen, and it was well, like I used to think this was amazing. On a on a modern it's still pretty monitor. good for that for the play for the late PlayStation, I think. But it was. Yeah, you're right. But <laughs> it it looks weird later on. And something like you know the Baldur's Gate series, a lot of the RPGs from back then. And it's just sometimes yeah. I look at them and I'm like, oh, this is the grossest pre-rendered graphics. That have ever existed. Wait, did any game before Baldur's Gate do the whole thing where you, uh, where it's kind of like, like the fighting is taking place in real time, but you can press spacebar at any point and pause the action, assign commands. Well, yeah, and, I mean, again, in various ways, like they did. I mean, uh, real time combat has been going on. I remember the, the first real time RPG combat game I played. I think was the old Dungeon Master games, which led into the Eye of the Beholder series. Mm-hmm. Like way back on the Atari ST and the Amiga, 
like the mid eighties, but I mean, it's been there in various forms. Yeah. I just like the whole pausing thing. That's a, that's something they've kept throughout the years and it's something that mm-hmm. I do enjoy. Like this guy's name is Firebead Elven Hair. I can't, I can't even deal with this right now. <laughs> I think I met him at the, I think I met him at the Pride Parade last year. I mentioned this earlier. I, I don't think it was part of the recording, but I'm just going to say this for everyone listening, uh, that like, while I am very nerdy about a great deal of things, I think my lowest threshold for nerdiness is fantasy. I can't, like, names like this, I can't handle it. I just can't. I'm going to lose it playing this I, game. Yeah, I do, too. I, I have terrible. the same problem, I have to admit. That's why, I, initially, I got more, much more into the Knights of the Old Republic games. You know, because right. even though it was the same type of system, it's basically, you know, the it was based on the sci-fi. Star the Star Wars RPG. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but well, well, you um, know I, I it was kinda, the same type like, of Dungeons yeah, and Dragons I mean, rules. It is like science fantasy, so it's 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 not quite science fiction. But I, I kind of feel like they have an easier time taking themselves seriously in those games. I, I like this is almost tongue in cheek in a way, you know. And I would rather have my uh, I'd rather have my fantasy straight up, like they are pretending like all this is real and shit is serious. Than fantasy, like oh, you know, my name is Bumblefuck Doohickey, and I'm half. I don't even know what to say, to be honest. But uh, it, it just, it just, I have a harder time getting into the fantasy thing. It kind of takes me out of the game constantly because of, uh, I, you know, what I don't even know how to explain it. Maybe I just don't like fantasy. I, I don't like fantasy novels that seem to be pretty big on the forums. I can't even stand looking at the covers for fantasy novels. Uh, I didn't want to play Warcraft originally because of the whole fantasy thing, but it ended up being such a good game that I got over it. But yeah, I guess I'm just more sci-fi than fantasy. I guess it's just me. That happened with me too. I remember I, when I first thought about, or one of my friends was really into World of Warcraft when it first came out, and I was just like, I, I have no interest in any of the look of this game. And he finally just sat me down and had me play it, and it was like, <laughs> okay, this is actually fun to play. I'll do this. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of fantasy is just kind of embarrassing at times. Like, like Diablo's good. See, again, we're not talking about Bioware anymore. But Diablo's good. Like, oh, it nothing takes exists in a vacuum. Seriously. You know what I mean? Like, it, there is there are like some funny things here and there. But Diablo kind of is like serious fantasy, where it's it's a little dark, a little weird. It's, it's not know? like crazy dragons and elves and stuff. People don't have like the most the ridiculous devil. names you can imagine exactly. in your life, and they're not walking around singing poems and songs and being all Lord of the Rings, you know? So, Yeah, as you I know, don't, I, don't, I don't like uh, too much tongue-in-cheek humor in my games because I think it's it's just too easy to do and it gets, it gets annoying because people are, you know, trying to be funny and sometimes it doesn't work and you just rather have a straight-up game which is set in a realistic world. But outside of video games, and I, I love RPGs that have sword and sorcery, dragons and swords and all that, but I don't... I don't consume that kind of content anywhere outside RPGs. I, I don't like movies that are like that. I do not read those books. I do not, I do not have artwork of, you know, gladiators and stuff. I hated the movie gladiator. I watched it for 45 minutes and I turned it off. It was terrible. I don't like that content in any way except in RPGs. And um, I, I don't know. I just can't explain it. It's going to be okay. Well, we didn't even mention Baldur's Gate. We didn't really talk about Baldur's Gate that much at all. 
No. I mean, for I mean, somebody, <laughs> what if somebody has never played the game? Like, how would you describe Baldur's Gate to someone you, who has never played it You could skip it and before? play Dragon Age. That's how I would describe it. it. But they have played other games, so you can compare it to other games. Like, how would you describe it? I don't know. I've never played Baldur's Gate, so I, oh, couldn't, I couldn't describe it. I have played well, you know Neverwinter like, Nights. I would say a it's bit. a lot like Diablo, except with uh, an incredible story, where Diablo was just random missions here and there. You collect loot, and that's the whole thing. This is very, very story-driven. Uh, you go to different towns with, you know, you get quests from the people around you. Uh, I think it's it's very much, it's a lot more D&D because it is D&D than something like Diablo, which has, uh, it does keep track of stats, but it's a much simpler set. This is full on. Everything's kind of hidden by the computer, so you don't get to see it. But there are roles happening all the time, you know. Uh, your stats matter. You need to know what Thaco means. You need You need to be pretty good on this. You need to read the manual. You need to be really into this game to right. succeed. Now you have I a party feel. of how many people? Four to six. Uh, how many? How many are in a party in Baldur's Gate? I'm gonna say five, but uh, right now it's just me and my underwear. Do you? Can you replace? <laughs> can you <laughs> replace one of those NPCs with a, a, another car- a real live person? Or when a real live person comes in, does it? Do you still have four NPCs or five NPCs? I was under the impression that you would just take control of one of the one of someone else's party. I can't imagine two character created uh, people just running around the same game world. That seems really God. Weird. I since I haven't done it in like twelve years, I can't remember exactly. It you you might create a character. Um, yeah, it's it's been too long. I just remember like running around, and it was sort of like. I want to say it was like whoever reached like the quest person first would be the one that was like primarily interacting with them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's been too long for me. Uh, I just remember like sort of running around and clicking on random stuff and <laughs> the other person trying to get me to run through dungeons. <laughs> but yeah, it's I don't know. I, it was just kind of cool having like having multiplayer at all. Honestly, at the time, especially in an RPG, it was just. That was that was pretty awesome. I don't think I know anybody in real life who would even think about playing this game with me. Me. (laughs) (laughs) But you're unreliable, Nick. You have have described yourself as being unreliable. John would play it. You know, John would play it. John would not play this. Yeah, he plays Monster Hunter with you, and that's kind of garbage. What? That is not the same. (laughs) Hey, that's a low blow. How do you Who's run in this game? I know you can run. <laughs> Probably shift. To I tried shift. I was say, hold down shift. I tried shift. It's not working. That seems uh, control, maybe. I tried left, control. Right mouse button. This, I this tried is the best right podcast. <laughs> maybe your computer can't handle running in the game. Maybe. You have to upgrade your, your CPU. You got that. Maybe yeah, try turning it off and on. Maybe try oh overclocking. God, there's, a, there's a weather toggle? There's weather gonna, in this game? Are you going to hit the this turbo button? my mind. Did you load the operating system uh, on the <laughs> on the five and five and a half inch floppy? You're gonna have to make a uh, change to your auto exec dot bat. Yeah, I need to, I need to make a boot disk right with auto exec dot bat and what was the other one? Config dot two files. <laughs> Config dot sys. There you go. So what did Neverwinter Nights? Yeah, what did Never Neverwinter Nights bring to the table that was uh, above what they had done with Baldur's Gate? Was it just a refinement of the existing game? No. The I think the primary big thing that it it brought, um, besides the fact that it was a shitload prettier, um, yeah. was that one of the things you could do was actually have a an online dungeon master, where you could have one person who would you know lay out a map and then could actually place monsters as the other players were going through, and so it wow. was 
kind of like an uh, an online RPG session where other players would be playing as characters and they would be running through uh, the dungeon or whatever, and then the DM, like everyone could pause, I believe, could pause the game in order to actually dole out commands, and then one person would be controlling everything. So that was pretty cool. I did not get a chance to really delve into that. Like I played it when it first came out, um, but I can remember almost nothing about it aside from that it was isometric D and D. Beyond that, I'm just I draw a blank. Like it I just, was, it was okay. Yeah. I remember it being very, very closely tied to D and D. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't really like swords and sorcery and like you know, brought into those types of universe, probably not going to get too much in a Neverwinter Nights because it does that very well. Like it allows a lot of character customization. It's got all the classes that you expect to know from D and D. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you're not into that, probably not going to get into this. But for the for those types of people, yeah, definitely gonna love it. I remember my ex girlfriend at the time was totally totally in the Neverwinter Nights because it was so close to D&D. It was so, it just had everything that you could possibly want. All I recall is that it seems like more of the same, but, I mean, geez, when, like, when did that come out? 2002? Yeah, uh, the only thing I know about it is that I tried to play it and my computer choked. And I said, okay, we're done. Wah, wah. <laughs> Ten years ago. Yeah, none of these games figured too big into uh, to my history. I liked a lot of JRPGs back then because I was a terrible person. I think when you're younger, it's easier to get into a JRPG than a game like this. These games might seem a little daunting at first, and I can completely understand that. Uh, a JRPG just leads you by the nose from point A to point B, and there's really nothing you can fuck up. I mean, you they, they give you the illusion of choice once in a while. Yeah, uh, but like with you know the sphere grid and that kind of garbage. But I mean, it, you end up with very similar characters from what everybody else has in the end. There really isn't that many JRPGs I can think of with major customization, except for like Final Fantasy Tactics, which is amazing. Right. Yeah, and that yeah just gets well. We won't talk about that. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, but yeah, never went tonight. Definitely has a huge amount of customization, and and maybe that in part is just the user defined experience makes it. It's one of those things that makes I guess. The you know the, the west the uh, Western RPGs so much different than the JRPGs, you know because at least the way we expected it at the time. Uh, have we exhausted Neverwinter Nights? Does anybody else have anything to say about it? Well, I, it sounds like nobody played it. So I no, I was I wasn't playing um, computer RPGs besides Diablo at this point. So how okay. can I add here? Knights of the Old Republic sort of like Neverwinter Nights sort of brought that whole like. Um, you know, wide customization, like super intensive customization in the game. Um, and it was also based upon, you know, the, you know, Neverwinter Nights based upon D&D. And then, of course, Star Wars based upon the Star Wars RPG. Like with um, with Coder, it was like the, the character creation was scaled back, but it fixed that problem I was talking about earlier, which was that like you start off the tutorial Mm-hmm. But whatever type of character you make, you can complete the tutorial. There's no issue there. It's just a lead-in mm-hmm. and helps you introduce you to the game. But, I mean, it, it closes you off, and this definitely becomes much more apparent with what we'll talk about with the Old Republic in that they completely limit your character class. I mean, you're a Jedi, mm-hmm. and that's it. And pretty much everything after that is simply your decisions on whether you want to be uh, a good or an evil person. And... You know, it goes from there. So it's it's greatly simplified. They definitely made a lot of refinements to 
the engine and such. I mean, it still runs on the same basic combat. It's the, you know, D20 D&D system. You can pause when you want to to issue commands. Everything is, like, armor class-based. And honestly, just, you know, some of it's just kind of stupid and silly. But it really worked. I loved it. It was my favorite RPG at the time. Yeah, I really <laughs> enjoyed it, too. Especially, um, yeah, the PC version was a lot better than the than the than the Xbox version Xbox, that I played at first, which was yeah. which was slow and buggy and, and just you know and the only a version lot of problems. Really? Actually, yeah. yeah. I mean but yeah it was huge it was just like a different experience on PC I remember. Same with um same with uh Kotor two, which we you know different again, different company. That's not Don't need to talk either. about. Yeah. But um yeah Star Wars or Kotor, you know, the first Kotor game did a, a really great job of you know, having that Jedi path, you know, when you finally get to the point of the game where you get the lightsaber, it's like, it's like, seems like you definitely become a Jedi at that point. I like the way they put that Wasn't together. Wasn't there like a dude on the Jedi Council that was like a gray looking jo- Yoda? That's kind of what I remember. Yeah, yeah, there was. There was like a Yoda type alien. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you can, choo- you can choose whether to be a good or a bad Jedi, and that affects the kind of powers that you get, which is, co- which is pretty cool. You know, you can, you do the Force Lightning. Or you can do, you know, like force push and and all that stuff. It was a lot of fun to do. Did this come out before the uh, the LucasArts first person shooter games? No, like, uh, Jedi Knight, the... like the first Jedi Knight. Oh no, this was the first way one was after, Dark like... Forces. Dark Forces was no, based I mean, on. Yeah, you weren't a Jedi in Dark Forces though. No, but the sequel to that was like ninety five. It was Dark Forces yeah, Two, Dark Forces Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight. Yeah, yeah there Jedi you go. Knight's the one that had a that's the one that had a good and bad choice path. I mean, so I'm just wondering. Which yeah, came it first. was it was very basic. Was it was it that one or was it wasn't there a Jedi Knight Two also? There was there like also a, was a yes, Jedi Knight Two. There was a Dark Forces Three, Jedi Knight Two, and then there was another <laughs> subtitle that <laughs> goes on to that. Another, and I can't remember yeah, what it is. I can't remember the name right now, but that definitely had another subtitle attached to it. Yeah, I think uh, you're right ninety-seven about that. was Dark Forces Two. But yeah, I mean, that one was, it was kind of basic, but it wasn't like you didn't have role-playing choices throughout the game, which is really what sold Coder. No. Yeah. And like, I remember, because I played as, as Dark Side, because one of the problems that I did kind of have with the whole Light Side, Dark Side choice in Coder was that, um, and they removed this later on for Mass Effect, but they, if you're Light Side, you get access to specific powers that they de- deem to be good powers. And if you're Dark right. Side, you get powers that they deem to be evil powers. Yeah. And, and it's good powers right. are like weird. healing, protection, choking. Powers good powers like, are like evil. You get like, a shield. Yeah. Right. And if you're evil, it's like you get to light people on fire, basically. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> like, how how is this even a choice? Like, I get a nifty force shield or I get force lightning. Well, I mean, I can say that certain parts of the game are a lot more difficult if you choose different paths. Like, I remember doing, like, as a, as a, as the dark path, I remember a lot of battles were a lot more difficult with, like, without the increased defense. I don't know if that was just the way I played the game, but that's the way I remember it. I, I don't remember having problems with almost anything. <laughs> and it, like, well, it, the difficulty was just, uh, pretty easy. Know, a worse video game player than you are. <laughs> or, or it's just all the dark side choices I made. Although I will say, I mean, if you do go total dark side, you're going to have a lot more fights because I picked a fight with everyone and everyone who disagreed (laughs) with me died and it was usually a horrible death. I mean, it was some of the choices that they had you made were just absolutely mind blowing to me. I mean, the fact that if you were evil in, um, 
in the first game, you could get completely kicked off a planet. Right. Like, it, you completely ruined their ecosystem, and they were like, no, you're never allowed to come here again, <laughs> or we will blow up your ship. And it was just like, wow, like, not even selectable on the map. Oh, yeah, I I'm totally that. kicked off. And then near the end, like, where you go through, and pretty much your all of your, your crew members are like, okay, we have to make a decision here on whether or not you're actually going to follow through and what the decisions you make from here go. And if you pick evil, all of your your teammates break out into a fight with each other where you're <laughs> on one of their sides and you actually slaughter half your crew. Nice. Yeah, that was great. Oh, I happens. remember that fondly. because you were the demons, <laughs> John. Right. And my favorite part of that being that you had the Wookiee who had his life debt to you and he was like best friends with this Twi'lek. With check. Yeah, the Twi'lek yes. girl. And you can, and yeah, you, you can force could... her to kill her, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You, and he was, the whole time. he was the <laughs> saddest <laughs> Wookiee. Ripping off her arms. Yeah. <laughs> He's the saddest Wookiee, but oh my god, you could He's make him kill her. the saddest It was so good. It was, I, I mean, I'm not really laughing because he killed her, but it was a good time. Um... So yeah, it was just stuff like that. Like, you know, that whole fight, it was... That was, like, completely new to me. Being able to slaughter your own teammates, that was just, like, revolutionary. It blew my mind. Um, So yeah, that that was huge. Um, There was another moment, I wish I could remember what the hell it was, but there was some moment where I, I went into a room to kill a guy, and there were all the dialogue choices, and I scrolled all the way down to the dark side ones, right away and i had said something <laughs> out loud to the game and it was an actual choice word for word one of the dark side choices and it was just like this is officially the best game ever made and then i picked that choice and killed him and it was it was fantastic i mean i when i play the game the game still looked really good like i play on the pc and the graphics are still impressive uh the I don't think there was... Was there much character customization? I'm going to say that there wasn't. You you picked your face. You picked like yeah. whether you looked like yeah, a white huge. Asian or a black guy. But it was enough, I thought. I mean, a lot of the... Although a lot of characters did look the same at, at, this, at a certain point, I think. <laughs> I wasn't that impressed with the character customization. But then um, the amount of choices you could make... And I was always... And this is kind of a Bioware issue I have where in the early games they had exactly what your character would say right there on the screen and you would pick it and they would say it. But then I think it was around Knights of the Republic. No, Knights of the Republic still had... Well, you know what? Not really. Knights is when they started getting a little on the on the confusing side because sometimes you would pick an option and the guy wouldn't really say what you picked. He would say something along the same lines... But, yeah. uh, it, well, it's, it's sort of a what little... Mass Effect sort of does. Oh, well, we're going to get into Mass Effect because it's hilarious. But, but in Knights, in Knights, it was already getting to the point where they weren't give, they weren't telling you exactly what your dude would say. They were kind of giving you an idea of what he would say. And sometimes, I remember when I was going to buy, do you guys remember, uh, he's not IG88. What, what's the name of the killer robot? Uh, HK. Oh, um, HK. 42 or HK. There you go. No, because he's named after AK47. So yeah, yeah, HK, 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 HK 47. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. that dude. Yeah. He was amazing. And I remember you uh yeah, buy him great. from a store on on some planet and like the he, like the owners one of those aliens that look like snails without shells, you know what I mean? I can't remember their names. But there Fuck was an, I know. There was an option that did not sound that bad that was just like I think he's too expensive and I picked it. 
And I like pushed the guy down on the floor and I was like, I will rip your mother if you don't give me this robot for free. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, that's, I'm a good guy up until I, that was my first dark side point. I, I swear the point. choice was like, I do believe the robot is a tad too expensive. <laughs> and I picked it and he's just like, and like he just like leaned on the desk and he just put on his full evil face and I scared that poor dude half to death. And I came back trying to apologize and he wouldn't even talk to him anymore. He was just like stammering, like, please just take him. That's so I'm odd because like, I think I did exactly the same thing. And I'm, I'm not even sure. I think I, think I reset the game because I was because just, was I was so distressed. I said, no, I'm not a bully. <laughs> yeah, I could. You can't apologize. The dude just hates you forever. And uh I was very HK approved, so you knew that was the wrong choice. <laughs> it was just not. I don't. It was. It was a confusing. I think that was the very first time I experienced a confusing dialogue option in a Bioware game, and it was not to be the last. Let's just <laughs> no. say. No, no, there are a lot of those. Like I, I always have to be wary of them. Even, even to this day in the Old Republic, it's I will see <laughs> stuff, and it's like, what message are they trying to convey because it won't seem that bad or it'll right. it'll sound like a neutral option and it'll be like uh, i i can't even think of a specific example but well the opposite has been happening to me because you know we're both playing uh, bad guys and i've been picking a lot of light stuff yoshi told me a trick but we'll get into that yeah but it was just like i would pick something where it would be like uh, i mean it would it would still be a dark side choice but it would be along the lines of like um, you know, you better not cross me, and then you pick it, and he's just like, I'm going to ram my lightsaber down your throat. And it's like, I... It's not really the message I was looking for. Yeah, you, don't, you never know him. the degree, you never know the degree before you actually click. Right. But yeah, so they, they've they been a little wacky on that, like, sometimes I wonder, like, maybe they should just write what they're gonna write have you say. They used to yeah. write that way, they were, I mean, they used to have the entire sentence, you know, just lying there, and, like, I understand the I mean, you went from having like one, two, three, four, five different giant dialogue options to having a quick little dialogue wheel, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a good change, but I, I there's got to be maybe an abbreviation or something, some kind of like letter or a number system from, from like good to dick, you know, so you kind of have an idea <laughs> of how strong your reaction will be. I don't know. It'd be nice. I'm sure they'll come up with something. I guess um, at some point, like in like the future generation of video games, we can like read people's faces and figure out like what a response going to do to them before you know before we make a choice. Like an uh, like LA noir. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. We're we're living in the future right now. We're on the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm halfway he has, like, there. Sweating buckets, and he's looking left and right in a super shifty way. Wait, did you guys did you guys replay it? Did you guys replay Kotor? Did you go uh, both paths, the good and the evil path? I did. I think I tried to do good. Never made it very far in good. <laughs> no. I think I did I evil. Like, I'm... I did evil then good afterwards. I think is okay. what I did. Yeah. I, I have to. I I just I feel bad for the. I do good every time because I try to do evil, and again, uh, when it comes to video game morality, it's usually two extremes. Now, this is what's good about, about Mass Effect, which we're going to get into soon, is that I don't feel that it, it was that extreme. It wasn't extremely good or extremely bad. There were some in-between decisions that were pretty interesting. But Natural Republic was still under the whole, uh, you're either a very good person or you're a really, really bad person. There really were not a lot of in-between options. Yeah, in and game. also the, the, the game sort of forces you to do that because, it, as, as we talked about earlier, the powers that you get, not only do you get certain powers if you choose certain alignments, right. but they get more powerful if depending on how 
far on that side that you are because you get like dark side points light side points as I, at least as i remember like things like healing get better if you're farther than the light side for example um yeah. but but anyway i guess uh moving on to our next game and uh, wait wait wait, oh, wait. Yeah. And also with knights yeah one more thing i really like the way that all your npcs i don't know if this is where it started again i didn't play never winter knights and i don't remember this being as big an issue in Baldur's gate but every one of the npcs that join your party uh well, I guess they're not very NPC then. But every one of your party members has a pretty interesting backstory that you learn about as you play through the game. Yeah, and they all have little side quests that you can do, which and is cool. And they all have yeah, related side quests. But I, I thought that was just interesting because they all do have pretty interesting stories. Even that dude that won't talk to you at the beginning and nobody likes him because he's like, he's like Nick in real life. <laughs> he's like so self-righteous. What's the name of that guy? Well, there was, the first well, guy the, you, you paired up with. What, is that the Mandalore the or the? No, no, the guy with two guns. <laughs> Oh, the Mandalorian, the oh Mandalorian yeah. Was the, the I know who you're talking about, but I don't awesome. know his name. He had a weird name. Something with a C. Cal? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember, <laughs> you, but I, mean, you I, remember I can't. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I just... I, I, I know who you're talking about. Karth. But it's Karth. I, I really don't... Karth. It's what? Karth. Karth. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Karth. It's something stupid with a C, yeah. That dude started off like an idiot. Like, I hated him, but I got to like him as I played the game. So I, I, I don't know. You learn more about the opposite. You learn I never more. really liked him that and, much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not that cool, but if you start talking to him and he's like, all right, we're done, you know, and then a few minutes, like, you do a few more missions, you go back to him, he's like, hey, you want to talk some more? And he's like, God, do I have to? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, all right. And he tells you a little bit more about his past and he clams up again and you keep pestering him throughout the course of the game. Well, you can and, you can uh, definitely turn off some of the NPCs if you if you are unfriendly enough with them <laughs> frequently enough. Yeah. Like they'll just close. I think Karth just sort of closed off to me because I was evil. The, the playthrough <laughs> right. that I f- first yeah, depending remember. Depending on your yeah. alignment, they also uh, that that is kind of how Baldur's Gate used to work as well. Well, depending on your alignment, uh, the people either uh, care about you or don't care about you. And Karth was a very very goody two shoes kind of guy. If you were evil. Me and Mandalore would go drink beers together and talk about killing people. <laughs> and then you gutted him, and life was good. With HK-47, you guys were having a little party. HK-47 is, like, the best character ever. He's, yeah, he really is great. I love his speech great. pattern. I love the way that he, he talks. You know, where he would, he would like, kind of uh, describe the sentence that was coming up before he would he would say it, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. He always gave that... Interro- description. Interrogation or... Affirmation. Affirmation. <laughs> Yeah, like that that was really really charming and then he was just hilarious because he was it was like it was like Bender years before there was a Bender where you can have somebody whose morality is so meatbag off, actually technically somebody I is think just evil but they're not human so it's hilarious instead think, of being dickish. I think Bender actually was in existence when this game came out. Was he? I think Futurama came out like 1999. Yeah, it's it's Oh my it's god, that's really old. Show. Are you sure? You're yeah, I'm right. positive. I remember when it came out. I was in college. Yeah, this is 2003, so you're probably right. Shall we finally move on to Jade Empire? Anybody have any rem- memories of Jade Empire? It wasn't as big of a hit yes. as a lot of the other. I have it on the Xbox, and I didn't put that much time into it. I got it for free because I had stopped working at, at GameStop or EB Games. Up for I hadn't worked there for like five, six years. But I was still part of that program they have where you can sign up, you know, and then you earn points for Microsoft. Oh, the Expert Zone. The Expert Zone, yeah. So I got that game for free from the Expert Zone, Jade Empire. And uh, it was okay. It didn't really hold my attention very long, though. Yeah. It, they tried a kind of a like a vague, uh, a vague oriental universe that wasn't really anywhere in particular. It wasn't really Japan or China or... 
it, it was like you know what it was like a fifteen it was like a fifteen year old making up shit about China. That's what that game is like. Which is kind of surprising that a company would do that now because you know we seems like something that would be out of like the nineteen forties, like a move like a Western movie about China, it's about like, the Eastern. Yeah, it's just like that one panel in the Seven Max comics. Where they're like, you know, well, here we are in, I forgot where they went. They went to some South American country and there's like skulls on sticks and snakes and all these other random things in the panel. And they're like drawn with no reference material whatsoever. And that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like. It felt like it wasn't really offensive because I don't care about Chinese people, but it was, it was just funny. I don't of know. Course. It, was, it was almost like every stereotype you can think of, of yeah. like an ancient Chinese well, didn't, legend. Didn't they say they were trying to make it like, um, Old movies like that, like a universe that was yeah. some, some yeah, sort well, of type. Definitely like what that. they were going for. Yeah, <laughs> that's sort of a, like a. Uh, I mean, it was it was like classic Asian movie as seen through the eyes of Western. Um, I did think that they did some really good stuff with that. In the, um, mm. namely, like I can't remember what it was specifically, but you go to this. It's not like an afterlife place, but it was like that city in the clouds. And you okay. go up there and you actually interact with gods. And first off, they did a fantastic um, job just with the graphics and the effects on that area. I remember it being really impressive at the time. Um, but then you would go up there and you would interact with, like, I think there were, like, elephant gods. And it was just all these really interesting designs <laughs> nice. before you would then, you know, come back down to the, the mortal worlds and then just like kind of beat on people for Ganesh. a while. Like the Indian god but Ganesh, like, yeah. kind of like, yeah. I remember that I think it's the only Bioware game I've played where you can actually have a threesome and hook up with multiple love interests at once. Nice. <laughs> um, I didn't even know there were which, love interests in that game, to be honest. Holy shit. Well, yeah, there was the elephant god, and then there was a horse god. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> there was a horse god in Tijuana. I think that That reminds me what? of it. Um, yeah, good time. So, Just, yeah, like, you could do that. I remember really liking Jade Empire when it came out. And I played through it, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it was great. And then I tried to go back a couple years later and play it again, and it was just embarrassing. And I, I don't know if it was the writing or just the gameplay not holding up or what it was, but it was just like, this... How did I love this game again? Like, it was okay. I didn't think it was terrible, but it was definitely like, hmm, this is not how I remembered enjoying it. I was meant to go back and finish it. Like it was something that I started. I was like, I do enjoy this. Uh, I wasn't really into it at the time because uh, sometimes I just get in the mood for a certain type of game, and if it's not the right type of game, I'll I'll put it on the shelf and start something else. But I definitely always meant to go back to it, and it's been like ten years. I don't lug around my giant Xbox anywhere, so I guess I would have to get on Steam. If Just in case people are curious, it is backwards compatible with the Xbox 360. Oh, is it? So, I might actually yeah. have it around here then. Hmm. Apparently, there's a couple bugs that show up when you play it, but I guess even the limited edition uh, bonus content is included. So, because that that game straight up played with that was a gamepad game, right? That was like a like slightly I'm, actiony. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like sort of like Mass Effect would eventually do. I, I guess uh, Bioware right. is trying to the precursor, maybe. yeah, trying to add kind of real time actiony combat with this game. I can't believe the game. I can't believe the next game after Jade Empire is Mass Effect. Is that for real? Uh, yeah, right from Jade Empire to Mass Effect. That's a big leap. That's well, it, it took leap. A, it did take them a couple of years. Mass Effect didn't That's come true. out until 2007, whereas Mass Effect was or Jade Empire came out at the end of the. Big Xbox, big giant Xbox uh, era. So um, yeah, Mass Effect, big uh, 
big trilogy, the new entry coming out in March, I believe. Yes. So, yeah, big deal. Big doings. And uh, Mizzo yes. is playing it as, well, maybe not as we speak, but currently, contemporaneously. Yeah, I spent, I spent the whole past week playing it. It's uh, I was I was pretty blown away by what I've seen. I I didn't really I expected Knights of the Republic basically only prettier, and uh, it's actually a much much um, much more refined version of Knights where everything just feels so much more dynamic, cinematic, and just uh, exciting in a way, including the dialogue. Just everything kind of flows very well and uh, moves along at a really good pace. I was surprised. I know I really I like the surprised. I like the backstory. I like the uh, the depth of the uh, the Mass Effect world. I really did get into that. I just sort of at the the time I was playing it, I got kind of hung up at one particular section that I kept I kept dying in. You know, <laughs> I think I probably wasn't using my NPCs as effectively as I should have been. Um, but I really do want to get back to playing it. Um, well, depending on the order it, in which you play the first three missions, uh, I picked yeah. to go to uh, to that research station up in the ice place first, and you fight kind of like a mini boss, or I guess it's just a flat out boss fight where it's uh, that Benizia lady. The uh, yeah, that's a regular boss, and that uh, fight that's is, like a is story rough, mission. Man. That's a rough yeah. fight. I was level. I think I was level like that was the f- yeah that was the first that was like one of the first things I did. I was like level thirteen. I had like no abilities. My points were all over the place because I I'm bad at Western RPGs. Because <laughs> every time I want to make a character, I'm like, yeah, they should be good at this and that and that and they should be good at that too. But the point is, you can't be good at everything. You have to kind of specialize. Bad at making choices, Mizzo. Yeah, I am. So uh, I ended up getting there with almost no shield, light armor, almost no shield to my armor whatsoever. Uh, very few abilities, and she was just—I mean, it wasn't her so much as the environment sucked. And the combat in the game is uh, is very fast. It's very fast paced. It's like you get to do a couple moves, and then one of you is dead, pretty much. You know, like you either got to jump on the other dude, and you got your shit off first. You use your cooldowns right, and they're dead, or you might be dead. It's there's not a lot of back and forth in the game, which is definitely interesting. It's just a big change. It's something I, I couldn't quite get used to when I was playing it, but I definitely want to go back to it. Which might be why I liked that game, and I couldn't get into the older ones. Like, I was expecting yeah. to hang out, like, in Nitro Republic. I'm just out in the open. I'm shooting my gun constantly while the other person's shooting the gun at me. And every so often we're dodging. Every so often we're getting hit. And it's, like, a, a drawn-out conflict, you know? But Mass Effect, like, I walked out there. She shot me with something that made me crumple to the ground immediately. Which yep. is, uh, I think, I a hate throw. that move. Yeah. And I had, it's... I mean, again, I had, like, no shields, like, no health. And then one of the Asari commandos would run by and kill me. And the whole fight mm-hmm. would be over in about 10 seconds. And I'm like, what? You know, try again. Watch the entire cutscene again. It's like, oh my god. I hated that cutscene for that I, fight. Because I think when I was doing that I on scene... I remember it. I remember it clearly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been no, it's been forever. two days. Very I'm well. Like it's been a year. It happened like yesterday. I still remember though. Yeah. I know what it's like. And it has been... Wait, when did Mass <laughs> Effect 2 come out? Like two years ago? I'd like to hear about the, the difference between 1 and 2. Maybe not so story heavy, but... Um... A little bit about it that. is a pretty big difference, honestly. Oh, like, it's I, very much, it's very much streamlined. Yeah, I mean, they did streamline it. They made some stuff. I, I think it was actually a really, it's probably the best evidence of how to properly streamline something, because they removed the terrible shit that was in Mass Effect One yeah, and replaced it with good stuff. Um, well, 
Not so much with the Mako. I mean, I didn't they didn't remove the, the Mako. Mako. I like. Yeah, the I didn't Mako. mind it either. But people hated it, and they replaced it with Why? planet scanning, which is also stupid. But um, it's less stupid. But thankfully, they eventually issued a patch to make planet scanning go faster because it nice. was too retarded. Um, but aside from that, like it's, I mean, they fixed the inventory system. Like uh, they actually kind of removed your inventory for the most part. Um, but it worked out, and the inventory Mass Effect One is just terrible garbage. Right. Well, I'm um, definitely, I'm definitely in favor in general of inventory streamlining and elimination wherever possible. <laughs> well, a lot of a lot of people will say that they consoleized it, you know, because the the first one was it, it went to PC later. But a lot of people mm-hmm. were complaining about, oh, it's too much like a console game, and then so on and so forth with the second one. But I had no problem with that because it's playing it seemed, on a console. So it seems like me. Mass Effect's always been sort of console. Uh, centric, at least in its thinking. I think, I mean, you know, it started off on the 360, and then I believe right. the PC port was at least a year, or maybe even a year and a half after it came oh, yeah. out. Well, it was a big, it was a big exclusive. I remember. Wait, so does anyone know the story? Like, what actually happened to this, to the uh, to the series? Like, why did the first one was uh, had the Microsoft Game Studios logo? And this is a 360 exclusive when it came out. Right. How did Microsoft let this game go? I mean, this is ridiculous. They have no exclusives, and this is one of the best games I've played in a long time. And they just kind of let the series get away from them? Like, what the hell happened? I, I mean, they, they got... Like, Bioware got bought out by EA, right? That must that be it, then. And, and EA then said, hey, EA we love just money. just like, hey, multi-platform. Cha-ching-ching. Yeah. Because, I mean, this would have been a giant feather in Microsoft's cap. But this, this series... I, I mean, I haven't even played the second one yet. Everyone just tells me how much better it is, and the, I'm sure the third one is very highly anticipated. So to have that be an exclusive 360 series where there are basically no exclusive 360 series except for Gears of War, that would have been huge for Microsoft. That's, that feels mm-hmm. like a mistake. Halo. Somehow. Halo, sort of. But Halo's oh, kind of dead. <laughs> but... um. So Mass Effect 3, what are people anticipating about that in general? I didn't realize it was coming up so soon. Yeah, yeah it's right around the corner. Yeah. I'm interested to see like what they do and don't include. Um, like In the first Mass Effect, there is this huge thing about um, that kind of that bug-like alien species whose name I'm blanking on right now. Uh, and it was like a the big thing. The four eyes? To... Or, or wait, no, 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 the... Not the Geth. The Geth are the the Reapers. No, no, not not the Reapers. There's um there's a the series Rachne. of bugs that the yeah the Rachne. Yeah. That's it. And it's like it's a big thing on whether or not you actually allow them to live or not. And right. Mass oh, Effect I Two. Them there's off. a yeah there's a, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> in Mass Effect Two where it's like you know hey these are pretty Spoilers. big decisions as to okay no you can it's cool. Okay. You can talk yeah. about it. I don't care. But it's just it's spoilers it. about like whether or not certain races are going to be able to to move on. Like who's going to win upcoming conflicts? Well, that's like the genophage too in the first one. Yeah, like how much of this stuff actually comes to pass in Mass Effect Three, and and how well they manage to integrate all of these things. Because there's honestly like a huge, huge amount of content that they'll be porting into, and enormous amount of decisions. And it's it's kind of interesting to see like how many of them they try to hand wave away, and how many are actually like have a real important effect on, on the story. Um, well, you know, what? I, I mean, kind of did feel like a lot of the decisions I was making in Mass Effect were uh, generally larger than the than the general uh, decisions you're allowed to make in most game series. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that there were a lot that were not extra exactly black and white. 
there were a lot that kind of uh, asked you what kind of person you you uh, would like to be, almost where uh, if somebody is responsible for. I did I did the DLC for the first Mass Effect. I did the uh, I did the one where the asteroid is plummeting to that planet. And yeah, you have to get on there, and that's like a terrorist group is trying to ram an asteroid into a planet, and at the end they have hostages, and it's the person that's been it's the chick that's been helping you the entire time since you showed up on the asteroid uh, through radio communications. And she's locked up in, like, uh, her and some other dude, maybe her brother, I don't remember who it's supposed to be, but they're locked up with a bomb in her room. And the terrorist guy is like, you know, like, let us go and you can save the hostages and you'll never see us again. And I'm like, I, I can't let you do that. Like, you could potentially do this in another system and I can't take that risk. And he's like, oops, and then he killed him. I was like, oh, God. What have I done, you know? But then I got to take the dude out. So, I mean, in a way, I, I, I don't regret the choice, but it was a tough choice to make. And I don't know if yeah. there's a way to, to get away, to have your cake and eat it no. too. To, if nope. That, there shouldn't be. Okay, perfect. They, they, I, I didn't try the other options, so I don't know if it, I'm glad that you uh, bring that up because uh, I was hoping that there was no way to have both things happen, which a lot of games kind of cheat on. So However, that's fantastic. At, that at is the end fantastic. Of, at okay. the end of the first Mass Effect, and no! I, don't, I don't know this for sure, so yeah, you might want to tune <laughs> this matter. out. There's a decision. There's a decision that you make whether you save the council or I forget what the other thing was you're supposed to do. And yeah. I chose to do one or the other. And I understand. Later, my somebody was mocking me later because said, "Oh, this is you know this is a video game. You could find a way to do both of them." So I guess no. it's possible. No, I was I was lied to. I was I was mocked needlessly. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm a you pick one or the dick. other, and then immediately when the second one starts up, it's just like after doing this. You know? That's the way it should be. I mean, they, they should be faced with tough decisions, and you should not be able to do both, no matter how high your charisma is. You know? I mean, it both, doesn't matter. both of the Mass Effects um, have a major decision at the end that are basically like, are you going to be someone who is helping to enact peace throughout the universe, or are you in this for human superiority? Right. And, you well, know, you have to make good. that human decision. Human superiority, yeah. clearly. <laughs> I, was, I picked so. humans. <laughs> And also, also like out of nowhere, again, I haven't been playing these games so much. And uh, was there a romantic? Uh, was there like a romantic interest in Nitro Republic? Like, could you hook up with people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't remember like, that. Like, Fuck. I want to say at least at two people. Like, okay. you have a choice. There's, there's Bastila. I remember that. Yeah, and then if you're a woman, you can hook up with Karth, who we were talking about earlier. As I recall. Yeah, there's, there's a couple different girls in each one. Um, in in both coders, I know, because I played guys in both of them. Yeah. And in the reverse should be true. There should be a couple guys you can hook up with as a woman. Yeah, um, same is true, right. yeah, in KOTOR 2. Because it's, uh, I, I don't know if, I mean, I kind of, uh, I kind of thought they were being held back by the license a little bit, because it has to get approval from different sources mm -hmm. before they can go through with uh, any kind of story. And uh, when Mass Effect came around, this is their own personal IP, they can do whatever they want. And I think they've done an excellent job of... Uh, of it's, making these giant consequence decisions, and even the romantic interest, interesting. Like I was talking to that Kaiden dude, and I'm a girl in the game, just so you guys know, so it's not weird. But I was talking to the Kaiden <laughs> dude, and all of a sudden he's hitting on me, like not, not like, and it wasn't even like overtly hitting on me. It's not like I walked behind the monitors and his wiener's hanging out of his pants or anything. It was just, it was kind of a subtle dialogue thing, and you can kind of choose that's to pick up on it, flirting from his ignore own. it. That is, that's that's how I do it. He he went through the bathroom and his dick was hanging out, and one of the dialogue choices was like, "Hey, you need a hand." <laughs> but it was uh, he kind of came on to me in a subtle way, and I could choose to make it awkward, or I could choose to kind of like encourage it. And I thought that was very very well done. And you can also you can also subtly 
be racist towards people like that that blue chick that you can end up uh you know getting with you could also just make her feel belittle her the whole time and go you know i am all about the blue chick right now by the way i have forgotten all about kaiden and i am all about this blue chick and I keep trying to go for it, and she keeps holding me back, and you something's going to happen. Don't, you do don't it, Don't get man. too attached. Welcome to every Mass Effect save. Chuck, they, Chuck, they stop. Are always... What was that? Yeah, more, more than ever before, I think Mass Effect gives you that feeling that you are walking t- some tight ropes there, that you can, you can actually s- totally screw something up, or... You could just be yourself and people are still going to start to hate you just yeah. because you're sticking to your principles. That's something that, that that it brought to the table. But this, I've never played as a female shepherd and I understand that there is, you know, people are enamored of playing with the female shepherd and <laughs> supposedly something's different with the dialogues or can anyone enlighten me on this point? If, if you, I believe that there are videos out there where you can see the comparison and I saw the comparison years before I ever played the game. Uh, so I was made aware of it beforehand. And I would have picked the girl anyway, because I'm just on a kick where every character I play in video games these days are girls. I'm not sure what that means. But, um, <laughs> just like real life. Like, like you saw my Monster Hunter chick. She's like, you know, this yeah. like little girl with like pony, like well, pigtails and pink hair. She was in a, she was like in a bear outfit, so you couldn't really see yeah, her. Yeah, I was going to say, all I saw yeah. was like the, the armored teddy the bear, bear. The teddy bear armor, yeah, whatever. I didn't even know you were a girl at first. Anyway, uh... But yeah, uh, I can't remember my point right now because all I can think about is my chicken Monster Hunter Three. But what was I saying? The dialogue choices between the ah, yes, male the and female shepherds. the dialogue shepherd. choices. That's right. You can watch comparison videos where uh, Commander Sh- the, the dude Commander Shepherd is the most lifeless delivery uh, of every line in the game. He just kind of trudges through the script with like a a bluntness that is just I don't know disheartening. And then you listen to the girl, and she is so nuanced, and and she's giving her her whole heart into this performance. So it's the voice it's, acting. The voice acting is is very very different from one to the other. Yeah, it's almost like they had a completely like they coached everyone and had everyone record their lines except for the male shepherd, <laughs> and then they they had like the janitor take him into a closet somewhere and go, okay, just read this out loud for me. Go. I mean, the comparison is and, good. The comparison shows like uh, obviously when you play through the entire game, I'm sure not every single line of dialogue. Is written. I mean, is read like garbage. But the comparison shows the points in the game where there are uh, big differences between the dialogue. So it it becomes very very glaring only because they're holding up the worst parts of the game under a microscope. But it's mm-hmm. it's just it's really funny. I'm gonna see if I can find it right now. Actually, yeah, shouldn't be too hard. Um, one of the things which actually Mizo was talking about earlier, which was that with Mass Effect, it seems like the choices aren't quite as black and white as they are in Coder. And I think one of the reasons for that, which um, that Mass Effect handles it just a little bit differently, is because it's just Paragon and Renegade. It's not like you don't actually change the outcome of the story ending by being good or evil in Mass Effect 1. Like, it follows the same basic story. It's more about who lives and dies and how you handle situations. And so it's really... Whereas in Coder, it's much more like you're slaughtering everyone in your path if you go full dark side. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, right. no one lives. And then if you go light side, it's like, oh man, you are the sweetest, most angelic person ever who would never <laughs> rape an orphan. Exactly. But in Mass Effect, it's a little bit more like you're a really good person or you're just an asshole. Like, you do, you do kill people. There are acts of of evil and violence, but it's not to the same extremes that it gets to in Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, it's um, more or... it's, it's more like the choice is either, okay, you captured somebody, they've done a lot of things wrong, you know their history, 
do you do you deliver them to the alliance and hope that justice goes the right way, you know, or do you just shoot them in the head right now when nobody's yeah. looking? And uh, yeah. you could, you could, you could do it, and uh, it wouldn't reflect negatively on your character. Uh, some of your party members will agree with you. Garrus loves it when I shoot people. He is all <laughs> yes, about that. Yes, he does. Because he hated C- he hated he was a cop uh, on the Citadel, which is like the main station for all these different alien races, like the main uh, hub, right? Uh, space station. But uh, he was a cop there, and uh, he had to live by the rules his whole life. And he kind of got screwed by the rules. And now that he he works for uh for Shepard, who is a Spectre, and can do whatever they want, basically, they have a license to do whatever the hell they want in the universe. Uh, so now that he works for Shepard, uh, he is busting loose, and he is really enjoying it. It's it's fun to watch. I like Garrus a lot. He's my favorite. Maybe you will you will come to love him. He's an adorable person. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, and they need to bring the reporter back for part three because I heard she was oh, in part God, two. Oh God, yes, she and is. And you can punch the reporter. In the you face. can punch her. Yes, it's oh fantastic. It is what even, she is there for. Even even if I'm doing a Paragon one, I'm always punching the reporter, no matter what. <laughs> she always gets it right in the mouth. And you punch her for the first game, and then I watched the video of part two because I had to see it. And she brings it up. She's like, you punched me, you know, the first time we met. And then I'm going to be like, I'm going to do it again. I don't even remember. He's like, whatever. I don't remember that. And then she starts asking you questions. And right off the bat, the dude just punches her in the face. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It has to happen again. It has to. It it needs to be a recurring theme. Um, Although, actually, what I just remembered. uh, One of the other big things from Mass Effect 3, which, and this again is kind of spoilers, but in Mass Effect 2... You're in. You can end up with your entire party dead. Um, I don't oh, remember no. how many people that you need to have living in order to actually survive through the end of the game, but you can lose like at least a ton of your crew members. <laughs> so it's sort of like, how many people can they transfer into Mass Effect Three? I, oh, I think all of them can die, can't they? The the no, thing you is, need, you need a certain no. number before you go into the final missions, just so you can um, survive. I do remember reading up on that a long time. Right. Ago. The, the main thing is, if you remember, um, uh, at the end there, when Shepard actually tries to get into the ship, they have to pull him or her in. If no one's alive, there's no one to pull him in. And the whole thing is that, I mean, if if your Shepard dies at the end of Mass Effect Two, you can't import your save because your Shepard is dead. <laughs> that's it end of story congratulations that's as far as you got so someone needs to live like i don't i want to say like two people have to live but maybe not maybe you only need one person to live but like someone needs to live um and so it's just sort of like they kind of have to make some allowance i think for all those characters and then there's like there was the dlc character like kasumi i mean i actually thought she was really cool in mass effect 2 i liked kasumi a lot um, and I would love to have her in Mass Effect 3. I don't know what the final character list is, and I don't even want to look it up because I just want to go into Mass Effect 3 and yeah. just experience it as it is. Like I somehow managed to avoid everything about Part 2 before I went into it. So yeah, it's just like there's... Cause, I mean, Christ, you're up to what? Probably like 12 crew members by that point? Maybe more? I mean, that's, that's a lot of people. And Mass Effect 2 was on two discs on the 360. I think just because of the amount of voice work. So it's... It's got to wow. get ridiculous in ME3. Thankfully, the disc switching isn't that bad. You do, if you're going back and forth and doing a lot of the side missions, you'll you might have to swap a few times as you go back and forth. But there doesn't seem to be any set rule on what areas are where. 
speaking. I mean, generally, uh, if there's ever a single disc version, uh, Blu-ray on the PS3, I would go for that, just on convenience yeah. alone. But uh, for this series, I think I'm going to stick to the 360. I'm doing the, the problem one, is like once three. once you get a save file, like I would, I wouldn't mind going to the PS3 just because like Mass Effect 2 is on one Blu-ray, but where's my save file? And you can't play Mass Effect One. Don't they ask you like some questions at the beginning to kind of? Uh... Yeah, they they give you like a based on this. How would you have handled this? They they act like it's a uh, a training program or something like that. The the thing is, they they basically pick I think like three of the really big questions for Mass Effect One. And even in Mass Effect 2, a lot of the smaller decisions you made with characters do crop back up. There are like lots of cool. little side characters mm-hmm. who will People show, will show up, up again in Mass Effect 2. Um, and it's just sort of like, hey, I remember you. Remember, um, oh, remember the obsessive guy about the autograph? Yeah. <laughs> like, he I shows up in Mass Effect. I've talked to him like twice. He yeah, took my like picture. He, uh, he actually shows up again in Mass Effect 2. Nice. But I mean, obviously, they're not going to ask you, like, at the beginning of Mass Effect 2, like, what do you think of people who want your autograph? <laughs> like, <laughs> in general, how do you feel right. about people? Like, they, they're pretty much just like, okay, would would you have saved humans or rescued aliens yeah, right. if they happened to be on the member of a major council? <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing like, about Mass Effect that I really like, since we're gushing on it nonstop, as we should be, uh, is that every evil dialogue... I have not chosen an evil dialogue option yet, but every single one makes me laugh so much. Like, every single one is so funny. Just looking at the description, which, again, we haven't gotten into this too, but would, will not match what my character says in the end whatsoever. But the little description just sounds so funny that I want to say it every time, and I haven't. This is the first game where I don't... It's, it's gone past the point where it makes me feel bad picking a, an evil choice because the choice is so evil... Where now it's it's hilarious because you're not you're not committing. Ma- I mean, sometimes you are, but you're not generally committing something that is majorly evil. You're just being a jerk, and it's so funny though. Like when you when you can report to the council and they start giving you grief about your choices. The last choices always disconnect, and it makes me laugh just to see it. Like you can just hang up on them, and it just makes me laugh so much just to see that choice. Just that it's there. Like how do you oh, like how do you answer? You know, like. Like, how do you explain yourself what you've done? And you're just like, click. I actually, and fucking get out of my head, Charles. I also have an evil femship who is blonde. I um, was, oh my god, that's the next character. Like, I'm making, I have a redhead shep right now. Uh, yes. With a big scar across her face, green eyes. She looks great. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do an, I was going to do an evil run with a super bitchy blonde femship. That was my next plan. Aside so. from the scar, that is exactly how my femship looks. In both Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two, and then in ME Two, I pictures. I started a run um, with a ridiculously bitchy blonde girl for the express purpose of going through and getting everyone killed. Like my goal was to not buy any upgrades, was to make sure that everyone was unprepared. So when you do the suicide mission, it was a goddamn suicide mission, and everyone dies. It's just oh like. My God. Because I remember the first time I played through that, and I made some bad decisions, and all of a sudden I started losing crew members, and I was like, "No, I had this plan." No, I was, I was so bad at it. Well, that that sounds amazing. I mean, I haven't seen this yet, but that alone, the fact that this could even happen, yeah, sounds like pretty you, fucking amazing. You do actually have to prepare, and you have to make good decisions at the end during during a lot of the battles, or you're you're gonna start losing people. And um, you can't pl- you can't play this like Nick. You gotta. 
you got to just feel the weight of your actions <laughs> and just go with it. You know, like what happened, happened. And you got to just keep going. Like yeah. You can't just reload like, oh, no, you know, I lost this person. Let me go back and try well, it again. If you I remember correctly, just, you got to just go. You actually, like once you hit a certain point, it starts auto-saving. Um, and I don't think, and you can't save while you're in combat. So right. if I remember right, you pretty much have to do the whole ending just right. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you save before it says, "Hey, look, you're not able to come back from this." But it's still right. a long time. It's a pretty well, big mission. How does the DLC work in Mass Effect Two? Is it you need to do it before the final mission at any you point? You can, basically? you can do it after because that's what I did. I beat the game and then the DLC came out. But right, okay. you you can do it afterwards if you actually buy the DLC beforehand. It will start cropping up at specific points in the story. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'll probably end up doing that. And there, some of the DLCs are really good. Yeah, some of them are not. Which um, Overlord is that the? That's the one I'm thinking of, right? Um, Wait, Overlord with the um, the rogue AI and the. Uh, well, I don't want to ruin it uh, from Mizo. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that no. one too well. I mean, that one was okay. I mean, obviously the there's Shadow the one Broker. really big Shadow Broker yeah. is a must, absolute yes. must. That one, that was just amazing DLC, honestly. Like, it was such a huge chunk of the story that it was like, this should have been part of the main game. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it came out a long time afterwards. It was a a big side thing. I think it was like, the second last, like, right? Because there was that, and then there was Arrival. Yeah. And Arrival is the one that leads right up to three, which I heard was not even cool. worth the money. It's It was okay. Like, I didn't think it was terrible, but it there's definite like you can see plot hooks in there so did they uh did they clean up the combat for part two a lot a lot a ton okay because it's pretty clunky in part one not gonna lie as soon as you play it it's night and day two is is more of a third person shooter i mean the worst part of the game has to be the combat and it's it's not bad it's not bad combat by any means it's it's interesting that they put something like that into uh what used to be well it's not even a series i guess it's a new series just but just a company that generally makes like pretty RPGs. hardcore, like yeah, RPGs made something that's this shootery, and uh, I mean the combat, the, the cover system kind of sucks, and uh, no nah, cover section in two cover is great, it's fantastic. Okay, that's cool. It gets so much better. <laughs> All right, well I'm looking forward to it. I should yeah. be done with this quick. It's, I think it feels really short. Like I got it an is. achievement called completion. It's like I've done yeah. most of the game. I put like 20 hours into this. I was expecting like a 50 hour RPG, so. I think by thirty. Well, if you I read all the encyclopedia entries, it'll it'll probably be fifty hours. <laughs> I've been reading them all. Trust me, I fucking devour that stuff. I love it. Um, part great. of it is for the the replay because it's like once you beat it, then you can go and do uh, new game plus, and you keep all your Ooh, levels. Yeah, and, everything, and you, you get another leveling. achievement for that. Really? Because I did not the know max, that. The max level is fifty, which you're not going to hit your first time through. Um, and then on top of that, like you also get to get a, uh, you get to pick a bonus power to make like your new character or your your ported character more powerful than you could originally start off with. How does that come into play when you play part 2? Do you get to keep your new game plus bonuses? You'll this see. Something they, happens and they, you'll they see transfer what happens. stuff. And they really hit you really hard and then you lose all your abilities. <laughs> yes. Right at the start. It does. And, and then it steals the baby Metroid and then yeah, Garrus and, comes up and says, "Dude, what's going on with that?" And then yeah. And then he kills Bishop. He does. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> the combat and the inventory system for me were the two weakest parts of the game. The uh, yeah, the inventory absolutely. system, of course, we've gone over. But the combat, I thought, was too easy. And I I don't think I played it on the PC, and I don't think there was an option to make the combat harder 
in the middle of the game. There, may, there might have been, but I remember just you I can, would I would just levitate people and kill them almost effortlessly pretty early. If you in turn the game. it up to like insane, things start getting a lot of shields, and it it which resi- or I'm trying to remember about Mass Effect One because I know Mass Effect Two they really changed the way a lot of the shields in combat work, but they start getting stuff that's resistant to a lot of basic biotic effects, and so you've got to work your way uh-huh. through shields and through armor before you can actually cast certain abilities and start throwing people through the air. Yeah, where so things like go ahead. Like when sorry. a Krogan charges, it a Krogan charging can become a very scary Krogans thing. Krogans are fucking scary as shit. They are because it doesn't matter how many I mean if they hit you once, I tend to die to be honest. Like they yeah, cause if they get up in your you grill over. and they punch you in the face, you're pretty much going down. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough of those moments for me in Mass Effect. Whereas in Dragon Age you you pause the game and you you know, your M. Morgan and whoever are very important to your strategy. With uh, with Mass Effect, I didn't really rely on my teammates that much. I didn't really position them, play with them too much. I just levitated people and shot them while they were floating around in the air helpless. So um, I haven't played two yet. I got two f- free with um, Dragon Age 2. But I, um, unfortunately, I picked the wrong game to start playing because I, I went with Dragon Age 2 and didn't finish that. We should talk about Dragon Age a little bit. Yeah, when we uh, shift gears into that, Dragon Age. I'm I'm trying to decide whether I should play Mass Effect 2 directly after Part 1. That might be too much, or if I should switch to something else entirely. Or I was considering playing Dragon Age. I was considering it as well. The first first one, yeah. I'd like to see what you guys have to say about it. I cannot play through the first game. I've tried to play through the first game uh, at least three times. Possibly four, but I, I think only three times. And PC every time, or Xbox? PC. PC. Uh-huh. And I, I only... PC. I want to say I've only gotten like maybe 15, 20 hours into it was the most I ever got. I just can't do it. Like, it bores me. It's it's just sort of like, here is, here is the same basic setup that they had for like Coder and Mass Effect, only with really boring characters and a kind of boring story. It's fantasy. Yeah, That's it's, what it is because it's yeah, fantasy. It's fantasy. And you don't like and fantasy as much as you like sci-fi. Come back to be. that, definitely. But the, the thing is, like, it's it's not even interesting. Fantasy is the thing. It's just sort of. It's not even as interesting as Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm okay with Lord of the Rings. The whole thing and, with the with the the Grey Wardens and and just developing your character. I think I think it's pretty interesting. And then the Blight, I think it's called, gradually starts to encroach on where you can go on the map. I mean, I think it's Lothering. Lothering is one of the early towns and after a while you can't go there anymore because it's been destroyed. And there's just this creeping death and it, it's always at your heels. And then it eats the snail guy and the big strong guy is looking at his hands. And the, some like... of the characters are, I think are, are very well done. They're very right. well fleshed out. Morgan is one of the better characters probably yeah, in the history of video What's games up? yeah and um what was it, lalandra and then the um the elf it's just uh so zevron zevron just balancing and the um the kunari balancing all these competing interests and all these competing personalities and you know it's not like you're a politician where you can you know you can say one thing to somebody and then say one thing to somebody else and they're both happy you know word gets around you know you can only play around so much before all your actions kind of you're not only being no, he's, he's absolutely and- right though because i was trying to do the the morgan interest and then as soon as you start talking to uh uh lalani she's just like oh are you talking to her now i mean and you literally oh, just say that. hi to her because girls know? gossip they do 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're being so you're being boxed in by your choices on a personal level, and you're being boxed in by the blight. You go into the dwarf town, which is later in the game, and then and they're the competing worst part of the game. By the yeah, way, <laughs> kind of drags. But they're they're competing parties, and you have to decide which party you help, and then all this stuff comes. Uh, it becomes important and it carries over in into the DLC carries carries over into two a little bit maybe Sounds not like as much Nick as really I would like the first game then well and it goes into awakenings too into awakening yeah i didn't finish awakenings i couldn't i guess i feel like uh, chris I didn't did either, but... about origins i felt about awakenings i was really excited to it but i didn't dislike it like i disliked dragon age 2 but i played dragon age 1 for like that was the main game I played for like a six month period. That's the one wow. I would play consistently all the time. And nothing, nothing has since then has dragged me in as much. Well, if it, if it makes Chris feel any better, the only, only way I could get into the first dragon age is when I moved into my new house and we had no cable, no TV, no internet, no nothing. So it was just like, I've got all we this had game. Fantasy. Let's knock it out. <laughs> but I got into it, and then, you know, eventually those services became available, and uh, I, yeah. I played through it. I really I really wanted to like it, and I kept trying, and I would sort of get into my character. And I, I think the, probably the big thing that killed it for me is the ridiculously terrible and clunky combat. I mean, it. a lot of people compared it to Baldur's Gate, which I think it really it, was. Like, it, looks it was like. pretty much it like... It looks like the original layout, Baldur's yeah. Gate. It was basically like they took Baldur's Gate and went, hey, let's use 3D graphics. Hi. Like, it's the same kind of <laughs> pause and click and, like, weird. And it's got that terrible Bioware class balancing that goes on. Like, I think I hit, I want to say I hit, like, level 20 on my warrior. And there I am. And I still only have, I think, five abilities at most. Three of them are active abilities. So two of them are passive. I don't even have control over them. <laughs> and three of them are active abilities, and each one has at least a 30-second cooldown. But you have a party if, to control. You're not just controlling your guy. But you that's the, that's the thing. Balance is it that out. There's so little control with a warrior character that you never play as him in combat. You can tell the computer to auto-use those three abilities and then play as everyone else. So it's like role-playing segments, I'm one guy. In combat, I'm four totally different people. You are a general commanding your your, your companions into, into right. panel. And that's and that's part of the issue I have is because it's like I'm playing the role playing game to play as a character. Like it just in something like that where it's you actually get to control who you are and what you say to people. Like I want to play as that character. Like in Mass Effect, you are that person in combat. You are that person in conversations. And you tell you people give, what to do. Kind you give of, yeah. orders. But I was to gonna your say teammates. I was actually gonna compare it to Mass Effect because they're similar in that the role playing is not so much in the combat, the role playing is in everything else. And the combat is just something that you control kind of like a, like an overlord, like a general. You can command everybody. But you but, are. You, you're in charge of your squad, so it makes perfect sense that you uh, you don't have direct control. You kind of bark out orders, and, you, and they right. do what you say. You have, a world, they, they you, have a world, you have a world full of characters that are not strictly black and white. Even the even the um, Morgan's mother, the uh, the dragon um, – I forget her name. Start, start the net. Flemeth, yeah. Even she's not really evil, and she's you. They all have these competing motivations. the The beauty of of, of the role playing there is not that oh, I'm a warrior, so I can I can do this kind of slash and that kind of shield bash, and I feel like I'm part of the care uh, like the character is what I'm controlling. It's more of a there's a lot more diplomacy built in, which I think is what attracts me to it. 
And you do have a progression where you do become more powerful. And I don't really have a problem controlling the mage, even though I beat it first as a warrior character also. But I, during battle, Which I would control you beat it as a mage. Yeah, I could control. I controlled the mage during battles. It didn't really bother me. <laughs> I mean, because that's the One thing. Of your like three abilities is taunt. <laughs> right. I mean, as a warrior, like you have three abilities, and then I would click on Morrigan, and it would be her entire abilities bar is full of different <laughs> shit, including I, I think there was even like some stuff that couldn't fit on there. Like it was packed. It was seriously like they developed the mage class, and then they went, "Oh shit." We have this warrior and thief class. We should probably give them something to do. And then came up with abilities like right before it shipped. No, I, no, the rogue, the rogue was flushed out just fine. He had a lot of a lot of combat abilities, a lot of defensive abilities. He could open things other people couldn't open. So you, outside of combat, <laughs> there was a reason to be a rogue. He just had from lock the, picking. Yeah, he had lock picking. But no, I think the warrior was a little... I understand what you're saying with the warrior, and I know the mage was really overpowered, but you could, you had the options to play any way you wanted to. And if you think of it, in that world, the mages were so powerful that they had to be controlled by by special a special group of knights just, exactly. just that exist for that purpose. So oh. it makes sense that Morrigan, who is who is this the great witch of the woods, it makes sense that she has all this power and it's you don't. You and you have to you have to keep her happy because you want her in your team. And <laughs> then she comes up with that whole thing at the end about having the baby. And I yeah. just think it's just a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating game. I thought they did an excellent job with it. It's one of my favorite. Abort. I'm not saying it's one of the best games of all time, but it's definitely one of my favorite personal favorite games ending? ever. I didn't have the baby, by the way. I told her, I was like, look, I've been fucking you the whole game, but uh, this time, <laughs> no ma'am. Yeah. Shepard would have punched her in the stomach. <laughs> mm. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite abortion on a video game. <laughs> And even the character, this the golem character from the from the DLC, even that character was good and memorable. Everything about this game, there was some bad DLC, but there was uh, overall the whole experience was just cool. never even great. made it that far. See, now I want to play it. Now I'm excited to play Dragon Age, but I'm going to turn it on, and it's going to be like Chris says, it's going to be boring garbage. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really, I'm going to play it. I'm definitely going to play it. I mean, it, so. it definitely had it had some okay decisions. It was just like, I, I played it and it was sort of like, I played this before, only now it's back to the boring combat that I do not care about. Play it, try playing it on Xbox, because the combat is different on we Xbox. We skipped a very important game, guys, in the Bioware uh, timeline. We skipped Which Sonic Chronicles, the Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. On the Nintendo you. DS. Which I don't think anybody has played. I, no, I have not. I certainly have not. <laughs> but, I mean, can no. you sleep with Amy or Princess Sally? Like, <laughs> like what are the choices here? That can was, you kill that actually? That was the first game that broke the tradition of not having the threesome since Jade Empire. <laughs> and you got, you got Amy and Sarah together nice. again. <sighs> well... Okay, I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. But what Nick will probably <laughs> for disagree the with me on, yeah, <laughs> is that while I that did was pretty have... high on the dick meter that you uh, that you made up <laughs> earlier in the podcast. That was like an eight, eight or nine. <laughs> that was a, that was an interjection. You'll learn about those in Mass Effect Two, Mizo. Um, nice, but I actually did like. I know tons of people hate this. I did enjoy Dragon Age Two. What? Um, Why? See, yes. I was going to ask what well, the problem was because I have I have seen so much vile well, hatred. Dragon Age Two is Dragon an Age action 2. game compared to compared to Dragon Age One. 
were ass. Um, Dragon Age 1 is Baldur's Gate. Dragon Age 2 is basically Coder. Like, Coder that you played on Xbox. It it plays exactly as I remembered Coder playing. It's very fast. You you know, you hit A to attack with, you know, your basic attack. And even though it has the dice rolls and stuff, it is like you, you have force leap just like it was in Coder, except, you know, they call it like dash or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the same class imbalance in that in this one, the thief is ridiculously overpowered. Um, but now all of the classes have abilities. So you don't feel gimped that you don't feel like you have nothing to do in combat by playing one class or the other. Um, it is a lot easier because you can pretty much like you can play just as the main character, and even if your comrades are killed, you can still win. Um, like I think I killed one of the most powerful dragons in the game by myself. He just like slaughtered my teammates, and I just played hit and run tactics with him for like fifteen minutes yeah, and run in circles, run in circles. Yeah, I was like, yeah, circle strafe. Welcome to Doom, motherfucker. Sounds and, like Monster Hunter. Right. So I enjoyed the combat way more, which first off made me immediately enjoy actually playing the game. Um, And then one of the other things, and I understand a lot of the criticisms, they did not kill the game for me, but they're definitely there. Like, you play in pretty much one city. So it's not like a lot of the other games where you're traversing the world or multiple worlds. It's, you're you're in one area, it's divided into like, I want to say four four main sections i i don't recall yeah, exactly. something like, like that think think like yeah. mystic quest when you know you were used to all these final fantasy games and letting you go from place to place and then they were like all right well you can go here and then you can go down the map and you can go here that's what dragon age 2 does mystic quest yeah. is final fantasy for stupid babies that like really cool music <laughs> butt rock er day and i love it <laughs> so good um so it is very limiting in that regard and there's inexplicable loading in between these sections because they're not very big it's like like what why is there a loading bar for me to visit the wharf when the wharf is like maybe a hundred feet big um but at the same time the whole game is pretty much just about the political decisions that occur in this city and what effect you have on who gets to rule and who has what sections and and so it's more personal than a lot of okay. the other games, just because of like, just because your interactions are more limited. Um, think what's yeah, at so stake. Think what's at stake in Mass Effect. Think what's at stake in Dragon Age. In Dragon Age, you are the Grey Warden, one of the last ones. You're you're the, you are there to save the world. The very even the decision you make at the very end um, is, is. Are you the boy who lived? Yeah. Um, every decision you make is is going to save the world. And in in what I played at Dragon Age was probably like two, which was probably ten or twelve hours. You get to hang around with this like this Danny DeVito guy. And, you know, you wonder, <laughs> are, are you going to help my brother to get an expedition going? And dealing with pickpockets, and you're dealing with these this, these small potatoes. You can't even get into the town at first. <laughs> it's just this whole other feel to it, and I didn't get into it because. The the first Dragon Age was so epic and everything felt so important. And the second Dragon Age, like you said, was just Knights of the Old Republic with it's, the, it's some different It's just like people. Jimmy's Town Adventure as opposed to, you know, the whole world scale of the Blight. Yeah. In the first game, and, you have, like, the fate of the world in your hand. The second game, you might get, like, Bob from the tavern. Yeah, the, this one, you're just like, oh, I'm a refugee. I get into the town. And then it's just like, well, you got to do this in order to get more respect so that you can go further into the town and have an audience right, with like, so-and-so. 
You start yeah. off as a nobody, and you actually play as that nobody, as opposed to every other Bioware, well, almost every other Bioware game, which is that you start off as the chosen one. You are the one who is, you know, basically, like, mysteriously imbued with more ability in the Force than anyone who has ever existed before, which is the story of every single Coder game. Um, every other, or, every single role-playing game, pretty much, it sounds like. Right, yeah. like, or there are other games which is like, you, it's it's always you are the chosen one, and Dragon Age 2 is like, what's up, retard? Oh, you want clout? Well, that's that's a shame. You're gonna have to earn it. And I liked it a little bit more, because it was less, like, big sweeping decisions and was just a little bit more like, what are you doing to affect all the people's lives here? And one of the other things that I think a lot of people had problems with was that they changed character designs from Dragon Dragon Age 1 to Dragon Age 2. Like, there was mm-hmm. that pirate girl who shows up in Dragon Age 1, and she comes back as a love interest in Dragon Age 2, great and she knockers. looks completely great, great differently. <laughs> like, in the first game, I, I think she was just, like, um, an average-looking girl. She was, you know, okay. Like, she just kind of dealt with some plot stuff. In the second game, complete fucking hooker. <laughs> she walks in, like her breasts have grown like three times yes, their size. Great, her face is suddenly like dolled up and beautiful, and she walks around in like hot pants. And it's just, it, it's totally different. Because the whole game is dumbed down. It's a dumbed down game, and that's a decision to dumb it down even further. For dumb people, <laughs> yeah. For dumb people, like 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 Chris, <laughs> the dummy, <laughs> the dumb dummy, <laughs> who didn't like Dragon Age as much as I did. Dummy. Yep. And I, I am totally okay with that. After trying to play through it at least three times, I am content with accepting that I will never enjoy I'll that beat game. It. I'll beat it for you, Nick. I, I'll play yeah. it. Talking- Mazel will play it. Mazel will play anything. It's true. That's so, yeah. true. Yeah, well, how, I, long, I like- how long does it take to, to for a playthrough of Dragon Age average? 20, maybe 30? I mean, it depends, it depends on how, how you much play you want to do. No, no, no. It took me a lot longer. Well, well yeah, never mind. I, it always takes me a lot longer. It takes a lot longer. I always do all the side quests, so I, I mean, I was at least 15 hours, and I'm pretty sure I was nowhere remotely close to the 50 end. 50 hours, fuck. Okay. Now no, we're getting serious. No, no, no. 15. I was oh, I 15. played for 15. Okay, that's not Yeah. Bad. I think it was like I 70 or 80 hours. I the Monster Hunter try. This is right. like, this would be like, like breakfast I, for me. I don't even know how I got 200 hours in the Old Republic. I just kind of like did a slash holy play shit. and was like, holy... Because f- I had like... It's been out 80- for a month. Maybe. I had 88 hours on my main character. That was not counting my other level 30 and all the other, like, level 10s that I made in order to experience all their stories. And, all you know, getting to level 10 is, like, three hours each. So that I made, what, like, I think eight characters. So six of them times three, you know, plus the 88, plus the other at least 60 hours. Or it was probably about, I think it's about 60 hours to get to level 30, something like that. Now, are you a chosen so, one type character in uh, Old yes. Republic? You are. Okay. If you play as a Jedi, you are this person who is mysteriously strong in the Force like no one else they've seen. So they I let can you relate skip to all that. your... It, which is funny, because they always <laughs> use that, because they always start off and they're like, you're supposed to go through like four months of training and spend like a month memorizing all these like, rules. Screw but all that, I'm gifted really in strong, the Force. So we'll let you skip yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's always their clutch for like, you know what? We're not going to send you, you to just, school. You open your zipper, you lay it out on the table, and they go, oh, you know what? Skip the training. <laughs> it's it's good. It's fine. Um, you know what? We I, skipped another game looking at uh, the Bioware list of game releases here, and it was MDK2. Yeah, who cares? Did you know that oh, they had MDK? That's weird. Yeah, Why would they make I always, MDK2? I always forget what about the that. Fuck? Wait, who made the first game? No idea. That was Shiny, right? Shiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't even know how that. They were that very different out. games. The first and the second. Yeah. I, I like the first. I like the second. I didn't know Bioware was behind it. That seems. I remember the second one being a huge for Dreamcast. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> He's over there looking for stuff just to piss us off. <laughs> so, that, oh, Nick's finally talking after being silent for half an hour. I guess I'll keep disrupting uh, what he's talking I'm about. I'm going to start making up games that they didn't really make. I'm going to go play him and play out of Medius Excellent. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, my friend just gave that back to me. I told him he could keep it. Is, so Dragon Age Part 2, it shares characters with Part 1. Like nope. They sound like very different stories. So there's just like, there's like Dragon characters. Age... So Dragon it, Age opened up like a universe, like it's like this is the setting for this yeah. world, and then two is like here's a tiny little story about the the thing for two is you were a refugee from Lothering, that place that Nick was talking about, mm-hmm. and you just you happened to make it out before shit got really bad, and then you got on a ship, and then everyone's like, ha, 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 no, we don't like your kind. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> it's like Mass Effect One, like takes like part of Mass of One takes place. Or Mass Effect. Part of Dragon Age One takes place, then Dragon Age Two takes place, and then the rest of Dragon Age One takes place. So it's like this kind of side story okay. that's happening parallel to events. Uh, I don't know about that because Alistair, who's uh, your buddy of the first game, don't shows up. Shows don't. up. Can, can <laughs> show up if you let him. It's not a big spoiler, <laughs> you baby. But he don't can, do it. He's he's a a definitely a post Dragon Age Origins <laughs> version that shows well, up in the pays him no mind. It just keeps on. That was good. That was it's good. Not a that big was good. He left it very vague. It's a. It's there's. He's a post Dragon Age Origins version. In other words, he references things that only happened at the end of Dragon Age yeah. Origins. So it's well, then was it enough. Awakenings? Because I I know it's like a parallel story. Awakenings is. Awakenings and two might take place at the same time because they kind of they're after the they're after the first game. In fact, yeah. um, I think a lot of people complain about Awakenings because um, it's possible to to die in Origins, but if you play Awakenings and you have a save file from a dead character, like they give you a funeral and everything in the game. But you can take that save file and, and start Awakenings, and then all of a sudden your character's just walking up the street, you know, reporting to his next mission. Oh, wait, <laughs> Jurassic Park okay. 2. <laughs> okay, I, I messed up part of it. It goes, it's Dragon Age 2, then it's uh, Dragon Age Origins, um, and Awakening, then more of Dragon Age 2. It's like, It goes, like, back and forth between them. Okay. Yeah, because get... yeah, because Lord of the Ring gets destroyed kind of early. By the way, because they they overlap with each other. The best thing about Lord of the Ring, I found, um, there's a lady in Lord of the Ring that wants that has rats or rabbits or something that she's dealing with, and she wants to make traps for them. And she says, if you find, you know, if you get me these traps, I'll give you like however many gold and however many experience. And you can, I don't, I don't know if it's ever, it was ever plugged, but I found that you could just keep going back to that same lady until Lothering gets destroyed in the game. You, you literally go across the street to the bar and there's a guy that sells you traps. And you take those traps, you can get like a hundred of them at once, and you go there, and this peasant woman like gives you this fortune of money and experience. <laughs> so if you ever want to, I, I went, I played first as a warrior, and then I tried playing as a mage, and I just exploited the hell out of that to level up my mage quickly. That was a really big hole, and I'm surprised they, they didn't, they didn't plug. I don't know if it was ever plugged, but it's kind of cool that you can find little things like that that are in, in the game, but you know, that was a game breaker, and, I guess that kept me from putting another extra hundred hours into Dragon Age because once I knew about that, I just I didn't I never even finished my mage character. I got bored with him because I overpowered him. All you him. did was buy yeah, rat traps. Rat traps. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, it suddenly became another kind of. It's like I'm a the Facebook hero of the type. World. It's like a Thanks Facebook type traps. game. How many rat traps can you buy in an hour? <laughs> Ask your friends to help you. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, so are they working on a part three? Is there going to be a Dragon Age? Three? Yes, oh, of course. And have there they talked about the story? Is it going to be back or like a return to form? Like I hope so. There was a huge backlash against Dragon Age 2, so I'm sure that they're... Uh, the thing is, I wouldn't mind if they kept the story and the design and everything from the first game and just gave it an interesting combat system like the second game had. Hmm. Um, the, the more action-y, faster uh, combat, I should well, say. It sounds like you want to play The Witcher. <laughs> um, I want to play The Witcher with good hitboxes and such. The main thing is that um, it's not. it doesn't play like an actual action game like Mass Effect does. It's like the mm. coder style, where you click on someone and it goes to attack, and then you hit the buttons to attack, and so on and so forth. But it's real fast. Um, whereas, you know, the first Dragon Age is more like you click on someone, you wait for them to go over. Everything has a really long cooldown. Like, oh, you cast a spell; it might be another minute before you get to cast that spell again. Go jerk off in a corner for a while. Um, Done. Yeah, it. It's just, it's a lot slower pace because it's meant to be more strategic, which it, it is, but I also find it more boring to actually play. Um, so I would like it if they kept the combat system, but uh, again, like, they they got ripped on a ton, so I wouldn't be surprised if they ditched, like, everything from Dragon Age Man, 2. You are making me remember so many things about Dragon Age 1, like the stealing the phylactery and that, that you, had, you could start as six... Um, one of six classes and each of them had a different like three hour origin story. Um, you wow. could be a noble, you could be the elves were an underclass. You could play as a elf from the, an elf from the city, which, which is a downtrodden elf kind of living in a ghetto, or you could start as a um, elf in the woods, which is more, um, you know, they're more like not really hippies, but they're these wizards and they live off the earth. They're more traditional elf, elven um, lore. And there's just there were just so many dimensions to Dragon Age One. Uh, nothing was blindingly original, of course, but having the the wizards kind of as an oppressed class, having the elves as a totally different kind of oppressed class, and just dealing with with all these things. The the elves, the I'm sorry, the mages were were kept in line partly by um, a phylactery, which was a vial of their blood that was kept. And as long as you had this vial of, of the mages' you could track blood. Them. Yeah, you you could keep them from you know doing whatever they want. You could track them down. You could keep them from just disappearing and doing whatever they want. When you played as a mage or if you played as an elf, all these things would color everybody's reaction to you, yeah. and in not in overt ways always, but in very subtle ways. Well, they their tone their tone would be different with you. Like you know, the, somebody Sassy? needs to keep an eye on you, mage. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, it was. It's just. Uh, uh, I think I so it. far from what I played, even though I love the hell out of Mass Effect, I think Dragon Age is the pinnacle so far of anything I've okay. seen as far as cool. Bioware. Because just because it has so many layers to it, you know, you don't punch out any reporters because that's really funny and to the detriment of that game. Yeah, but <laughs> it, the Dragon Age, however, really, really brings you in, and uh, even the the dick answers, as you would say. Are not as they're not played for laughs as much. They're not played over the top as much as they are in in Mass Effect, or as, as much <laughs> as they could be. And I think uh, if you like fantasy games, I I couldn't recommend a better one. You know, it's well, Dragon no, Age and Diablo. That's it. I agree that with you on good. that. that they're good. pretty. They're pretty damn good. But I just think that the the fact that you know Mass Effect Two built on Mass Effect One, whereas Dragon Age Two kind of pissed all over Dragon Age One. 
I have to I have to go with Mass Effect. Yeah, did a that. different did different people make Dragon Age two? Because I it remember with, like with Guild Wars, there was the first Guild Wars, and then the second Guild Wars was made by a totally different team. So when it turned out totally different, you say, "Oh well," and you know, there's a reason for it. And then the third one was made by the team that made the first one, so it, it was better. So I'm hoping maybe it was something like that because Dragon Age three then might be back to form i hope who uh, made the fallout games this generation like fallout bethesda. 3 bethesda well, that's who it is yeah fallout 3 was bethesda name. and then new vegas was obsidian that's right yeah. well they, bethesda doesn't have the i mean like the bethesda games have the big open world thing going for them but right. i don't think they have the character interaction down as much as as a bioware game yeah that's definitely true I yeah different <laughs> I, I enjoy the the more personal feeling of a bioware game where you, you kind of get into your character's head almost and uh, how this character, like it almost forces you. And I think this is part of, uh, of, uh, uh, we haven't even talked about it yet, but the MMO they just put out is, uh, the, 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 the choices that they give you as you, as you level and as you play through the game, from what I've read, again, I haven't really played this, kind of a help to put you into, uh, the mindset of thinking about who your character mm-hmm. might even be. Whereas uh, some of us do make up backstories about our characters that we make in MMOs, uh, be they be they ironically crafted for hilariousness, like a uh, Mizo Lightface was in in World of Warcraft, or uh, or my Wookiee in Star Wars uh, Galaxies. I mean, just just the fact that I mean, yes, I do make up stories for my characters, but they are also stupid on purpose because I understand how stupid the actual concept of making up stories for a character is but i also enjoy doing it like i also do enjoy having a backstory of my character and thinking of how he would react to uh, certain situations which does not really come into play in any mmo i've ever played but it does say, sound- warcraft has nothing that would even go with that you can act like a certain way when you're trolling people but i do think that that uh if nitro republic has not nitro republic but uh, the old republic itself has anything going for it it would be that these choices are present and do actually make you think about how your character would react in certain situations, which is something I think more people should be doing when they create a character, but whatever. I just wanted to know if you were the kind of person who can't take care of himself unless he's he thinks of a scenario that's realistic, like with a girl that he I could actually care of get. Myself? You mean like jerking yeah. off? Yeah. No, I can, I can like, imagine. I need a backstory. I need something that could realistically no, I, happen. I can imagine a, a pair of floating tits in space, and that will work. He sits there. He's like, my balls have come from a place of great strife. They are trying to overcome. <laughs> No, all I need is like like a floating pair of tits and like just an ass growing out of the wall. It doesn't oh, even God. matter. And it's it's done. So Fantastic. no, I, I don't need elaborate backstories for that. Wallfucker. But, uh, so so your your original character's name was Mizzo Wallfucker, is that what it was? <laughs> no. It was it was uh, Mizzo Lightface is oh, my dear. It was either Light Fist or Light Face, and I think Light Face was funnier. See, now that comes so into play with Old Republic because you get to make a last name for that one. So, I know. So, I, I kind of want to play. I mean, we all just quit Warcraft. I'm, I'm pretty sure my character's last name is going to be Buster, so it can be Chuck's Buster, and everyone's going to be like, "What's up?" It'll say the it'll say the Buster Legacy under it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely think that obsidian kind of shows up both bethesda and bioware just in terms of dialogue writing which was evident definitely in stuff um back with like planescape torment with black isle um yeah but like if you play like knights of the old republic and then go to the sequel 
there is such a ridiculous difference in how well written. It just the yeah, the characters like, themselves, really the concepts are much better. I mean, the game is largely unfinished and has a huge amount of problems with it. But yeah, I I definitely remember that. that difference. That's also that's also what they do. Like not only do they that's, a, that's dialogue, an obsidian but they, they are flaw. Horrible at finishing definitely. Games. Yeah, yeah, like it's. I mean, they're like the same characters from the first game to the second game, but all of a sudden, everyone is like so much more in depth and verbose okay. and just nuanced. Like, there's there's a huge difference that goes on that is really striking just because they're the same characters, and it becomes harder to pick up on in other you games. You can also turn the characters into Jedi's, either dark Jedi's or light Jedi's, which is also a lot of fun. Yeah, your character has an influence that exudes as you go to one side or the other. Which is, it's great breaking the other characters. Which you can That's actually funny. kind of break characters in the Old Republic too and change their personalities a bit. Like well, your companions. Is, yeah, is not Nights as much. available anywhere? It's, it's on PC. I mean. No, I know it's on PC, eBay. but I mean, I, it's not on Steam, right? I don't or know. On, I don't know. Or on it's GOG not a, it's not or on any Steam. place where I would actually purchase a game? No, I haven't found it anywhere. I mean, because when did that come out? Like, does it work? It came out. Does it work on Windows? It came out like six years. It, yeah, or, it works fine. I played I it. I played on. it pretty uh, recently. Yeah, people, what Windows am I using? Vista. Yeah. Fans are actually still creating mods to finish Coder Two because all of that unfinished content, all the unfinished content is, is for the most part in there. Uh, there's a patch oh, now that own. I think finishes a lot of that content. Like there was, it, it does. There was a mission it where a lot, but they're still working on. I think it. there was a mission where you could actually go back to HK 47's home planet, which they, which they like finish. Full of asshole robots. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> He's just a robot. He was made in like a factory or something, right? He doesn't have like a home planet. Well, that was his planet. I mean, it's like his factory, yeah. the factory where he was made. I guess the planet where it's on, among other things. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that you know what I hate was taken out. By the way, about TOR, we're going back to TOR now. And I, I was reading the uh, the forum uh, on TNL. Obviously, I was reading uh, people uh, just their impressions of the game. TNL, and what's one that? of the things they mentioned. What's TNL? I don't know. It's this piece of shit website I go to sometimes. <laughs> and where but, could uh, I find this, TNL if I were interested? You could probably find it at it's the, the hyphen the next level. Dash next level yeah. dot com. There you go. Oh, I see. Would you okay. like to know more? Or you could search for the next level on Google like your grandma does. <laughs> Oh, so it would be the top hit of, of like all the billions of, of hits for the very phrase next very level. Top. This website I'm try right now, actually, this website would be the top hit on Google for that very common term. Wow, must be a well, great I'm site. I'm gonna pee in your butt. That's be. The very second one is the next level church, which we've talked about before. Well, yeah, but so, anyway, well, God's behind that. So, so the one thing I want to complain about Tor never played the game, don't know anything about it except, uh, of course, what I mentioned earlier. But uh, somebody said something about Hoth, and that made me very angry. Oh, I know something about. Because in in Star Wars, in the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six, the one that the ones that matter, uh, like the rebels blow up the Death Star, the Empire's like, "What the fuck?" And the rebels are like, "Lol," and they run away because they can't fight the Empire. Like they got lucky; they blew up the Death Star. Good for them. The Empire can crush them. They run away. And they hide in like the deepest, darkest asshole of the galaxy, which is this remote star system that nobody gives a shit about with this piece of crap planet called Hoth, where they are, it's an ice planet. Nobody goes right. there. That's where they're hiding from the Empire. Gotcha. Now uh, I'm reading about <laughs> TOR and you say that you go to Hoth. TOR takes place, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, hundreds, thousands if not of thousands years. of years before. It's thousands. Okay. So, so somehow Hoth is important. A thousand years before the rebels ever hit on it, just through sheer coincidence alone, in in a fucking universe 
where even a starship, like a, a regular fighter like the X-Wing, has faster-than-light capabilities, hyperdrive capabilities. And I'm sure many galaxies have been explored. Somehow Hoth is important. That makes well, me angry. One, one of the things is that um, Star Wars kind of um it has that traditional sci-fi approach which is that worlds aren't actually worlds it's just a concept Settings. like hoth is yeah. the ice planet you've yeah. got another planet which is i'm sure the, there are other ice planets there's the you, ice planet there's the cloud planet there's the desert planet and i think they mentioned tatooine as well where tatooine is another backwater piece of ship planet well, where well, if it makes you feeling better out. they're all they're all put in the outer rim if you're, you know, looking at your that does star galaxy. But uh, you shouldn't even go there. I mean, just because, I, I guess I understand why they do it, because it's like the name fan is service. famous. Fan service. It and they're famous locations. The right. Yeah. But in, in terms of story, I don't think you can justify that anyway, that thousands of years ago, somehow these outer rim planets that nobody gives a shit about were somehow important. I think they barely even have shit set up on Hoth. It's pretty much like they're there, everyone hates it because it's cold and like tons of people are dying there's like one race that actually does well out there, but it's pretty much just... Now, as an incredible aside, as an incredible aside, I'm going to bring up the fact that I used to read Star Wars novels, and uh, the worst uh, creator of any Star Wars novels that, that, have, uh, that have scarred my eyes for life is Kevin J. Anderson, a horrible hack writer who uh, once wrote a story where Luke Skywalker came back to Hoth because there are only six planets in the expanded universe <laughs> and you always return to the same planets from the movie but Luke Skywalker goes back to Hoth where a ship has crash landed in Hoth there's some survivors huddling in a cave and they're being attacked by Wampas who uh, are working under a Wampa leader if you will who ends up being the Wampa that well, Luke uh, he had the, whose, whose arm he amputated during uh, Empire. The very same. So not only does it bring you back to the planet, which is already hack enough, but he somehow keeps this Wampa with a missing arm alive. And here he's like, he like remembers Luke, and he's mad at him. Roar! It's like, okay, <laughs> I am. This is. I, I actually. I. <laughs> I want to shit in this book and burn it. That's unbelievable. You know what? That is what you get for reading Star Wars novels. No, it's true. No, Kev- Dude, uh, you read the uh, the the Timothy Zahn. Yeah, Timothy Zahn's books. That's that's all you need. Not that that's I the know only this expanded nerds. galaxy. Yeah, not... <laughs> right, Chucks. But that's the only expanded uh, universe you need, right there. Are the three Timothy Zahn, the three early. I think he wrote more, but I never read. I have the, the um, original three with Admiral Thrawn. Those are. It's a great uh, comic book collection of all three of those novels. If you don't want it like me, take the time to actually read the novels. Read to them in comic. Read, a novel. read them in yeah. comic book form. They're really excellent. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> Are you a lawyer? <laughs> yeah, I read all the time. Yeah, you know how much you're reading they have to do? I'm surprised they ever <laughs> want to true. read again after That's they true. leave school. Seriously, mm-hmm. man. Uh, but yeah, so for Tori, yeah, there's definitely a good amount of fan service in there. Um, probably what's a little more interesting there is that just because of the time frame and because it's by Bioware, the entire history of it is basically the, the previous Coder games. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of Revan Darth, stuff. Yeah, Revan, Darth Malak. Um, I'm trying to remember who the other bad guys were. There, were. there were like two others who who constantly crop up and have like all these effects on a lot of the stuff that was going on. And I, I do think that uh, Bioware eventually settled on a a specific like canon version of mm-hmm. um, Darth Revan. Uh, since I think he's like you know officially a male and was dark side and then went light side, um, 
And so it, oh, that's your it dude just... from Coder, right? Yeah, that's yeah. your mm-hmm. spoiler. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> oh, that's like ten thousand years ago. Oh my god, no, I know. And it's like the most basic spoiler, spoiler in the game kidding. too. Um, but yeah, so it's like they they pull from their own history. So there's actually a lot of stuff that's that cool. that comes back from that. Like HK forty seven is going to be showing up <gasps> soon. Ooh, um, nice. I just wish he was a companion you could get. I hope he is. If they if they put him in there and you can get it, oh, it will. Well, what if like everybody has uh, has this character as a companion? Isn't that kind of weird? If if that happens, it's frightening. That different many different classes have like four different companions that they can have running around. So each companion does different things. Um, I'm only level twenty. I think I'm the lowest in the guild aside from Mike's, who just bought the game and decided not to play it. Uh, so I only have one companion. <laughs> hey, but I, I copyrighted think... that. Oh, That's dear. Why I you make money like Mike. <laughs> Hand over fists. You don't even know what to do anymore. It's true. Uh, but yeah, like you do, you do have different companions. The main, th- uh, it's like once you actually get into a group, your companions go away as the group fills up because you can only have like a maximum of four people in a normal group. And so, Wait, like, so once so you like, hit... like what Nick was saying last week about having somebody to play the game with you—is that what companions act like? Because that sounds pretty cool. The companions act pretty much exactly like the companions do in the other coder games and in Mass Effect. They hang out with you. They have abilities. Yeah, they're That's really they're really good. They work really well. They have different types. Like, there's a tank guy. There's a you know, be a DPS guy. There'll be a healer. The healer. Yeah, like you pick whoever goes well with you, and you can run with that. And they have like you unlock personal conversations as you go through and like you can get love interests with your companions and pick like like you can you can end up marrying them um you cannot have threesomes they will shut you down if you try they're like pioneering the single player mmo then no they really are um because there's a lot of story missions and the story missions are really awesome like i wouldn't care about you know the the path of a paladin and in warcraft but you know shit right Right, but I'm doing a, a Sith Inquisitor, um, who's the equivalent of a mage or a healer, and I chose the mage. And um, I'm getting sent all around the galaxy to go do all this stuff. All along the while, you know, I can choose to be a dick about everything, which I'm doing because nice. you know I'm, I'm dark side. Um, but then I made another character, and that character I'm going to kind of you know pick the decisions that I would pick if you know I were well, put in the situation. One thing to keep in mind is that for a Sith Inquisitor who is dark side, um, the main love interest um, for the for a male Sith Inquisitor is a light side Jedi. So you actually have to, if you want to get in her pants, you actually have to be good. You have to make some good decisions. <laughs> Never. You can butter up your companions <laughs> with gifts. You can just buy them stuff and they'll put out. But I'm gonna put for it the in most her part, dark side. That's so realistic, right? <laughs> They're pioneering the uh, MMO dating game, so and it's it's just kind of nice, like actually having some of those effects. Like I'm playing a Sith warrior, and I've got one character who's actually kind of a good side love interest, another character who's a dark side love interest, and sort of who do you want to go with? And they'll they'll give you affection based on like the decisions you make during story sequences. Um, they'll be like, yeah, that was a good decision. And of course you can do other stupid shit. Like I was, I was going through a story mission and I, I love this story cause it's so great. Um, I was sent to go, uh, basically kill this guy's son in order to put fear in him. And so I show up to where his son's supposed to be and his son, uh, and his wife are in there and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And they, 
they try to fight me, I beat the crap out of them, and then they beg me for their lives. And they're like, if you let us live, we'll give you the key card so that you can go kill him. And my reasoning is, you know what? Okay, I'm going to let you guys live. I'll take your key card. I'll kill him, and then I'll come back and kill you. (laughs) So first off, they give me light side points for letting these people live. I go, I kill the guy, I come back, and his wife is like, you're so powerful. That was great. I'm so glad you killed him. Now we can rule in his place. Let's have sex. So the wife offers to put out. She sends the son away, and she's like, you can leave the room. And then she's like, well, are you going to send your slave away? And the girl looks at me, and she's he like, hmm? And I'm like, no, she stays. And she's like, are you serious? What game are you playing? What game is this? This is the Old Republic. I, I think yeah. what she actually, what my slave that actually referred great. to me as was any port, in a, or any shuttle port in a storm kind of guy. Uh, was the phrasing she that used. That is pretty That's funny. fantastic. It's, well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it's this fantastic. is all well and good right now, but uh, from uh, from playing Warcraft, as we all know, uh, the real MMO starts at the end game. And how are they going to continue this this uh, manner of storytelling when you're fucking farming some bullshit out? For, well, there's, uh, there's multiplayer uh, conversations that you can have with uh, the, the instances in the game are called flashpoints, and mm-hmm. every character... Um, Whenever a decision comes up, each character can pick uh, anything off of, you know, the radial dial that they have in uh, right. the Mass Effect games and stuff like that. Sure. Similar to that in, in a TOR. And once that happens, everybody rolls. Whoever has the highest roll is the decision that happens after that. So, you know, there's light side decisions, dark side decisions, so on and so forth. Okay. Well, but my point is that uh, when you're doing questing, uh, quests are one-time activities, where uh, you, you can take into account what you did and what you didn't do in the past and then uh, have repercussions in the future. When you're doing endgame content, such as a Flashpoint or whatever crazy thing they're calling it, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing the same thing over and over again. Like, What do your decisions matter at that point? Well, you can actually get bonuses for... Well, you can yeah, do it but, for Dark Side and Light Side. I like mean, they, they'll happen, but they don't stick because you're going to do the same thing again next week. Let's say if you do one type of decision, like like one boss shows up, but if you do another decision, another type of boss shows up. Okay, so there's different paths through these instances, yeah, I, basically, depending on the dialogue choices. And sometimes you do get different decisions too. Like I've played a few a few flashpoints, and it's it'll they'll start off completely different. Like you'll start off in different parts of the ship and interact with different characters at first. Um, which it always like throws me off because I'm like I thought I did this flashpoint, but I don't know what's going on right now. This is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then part of it is just there to exist for grinding because like if you're all the way dark side, there are certain bonuses you can get. Like there are certain saber crystals you can use and certain vehicles you can buy. And, you know, and if you're all the way vice versa again, specific stuff. And then one of the things they're going to be adding soon is bonuses for people who are neutral. And so you can go in and you can keep redoing these flashpoints because the flashpoints are stories. Yeah. Like they're they're like episodes that you just do with other people. Okay. And so like you can go in and try and grind out like dark side or light side points just to, you know, boost your character all the way to one end or the other. So does it matter what I guess there are two different factions, right? There's the uh Republican Empire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you play with only your own faction, but um can a mm-hmm. Republic person get dark side points? Like, yep. Yes. And a, an Empire can get light side points, as I have foolishly done without figuring out how to show which decisions are light side and dark side. 
because so sometimes if, if sometimes a light instance, side decision sounds like you know hey you know what the empire would do the best if we spread this knowledge and they learned a little more about this forbidden type of power but in actuality the dark side choice would have been to keep the power for yourself and you know tell everyone right. else to fuck off because the main thing is that a lot of it's kind of divided in that dark side is very um evil and selfish you know, like personal gain. Yeah, yeah. Whereas sometimes light side is more like this would benefit everyone in the empire. Uh huh. So there's actually an option to turn on an indicator so you can see what's light side and what's dark side. Which, which I just learned about today. So you know, hurry <laughs> for me and my 500 plus light side points keep me from being you know dark side. At least it was better than Timber not knowing there was a way to. Disable. Um, I don't even want to talk about Timber and his. I want to <laughs> hang out on a different server. And oh just my be god! An Speaking of which, did you guys? I mean, like, I don't know what they're doing over over at Tor, but uh, I guess it must just be the Bioware forum. Oh, the twelve, but the twelve. People are thing? getting yeah, that that's like the latest one. But I mean, people are getting banned left and right for a lot of really stupid shit. And I mean, the game just came out. You have to be kind of careful about banning in a game like this because people are paying for your service. Right. You are being given money. So these people can access your game on a month-to-month basis. These people are constantly paying you money to play. And when you tell them you can no longer play for this amount of time, you're basically taking that money from them for nothing. And to do that with uh, minor infractions, to where, where people are just talking shit on a forum, uh, if somebody's exploiting your game or doing things that are completely out of line and just... I can understand the banning, but when it comes to... It just seems very odd that they're doing this, and uh, it seems odder still that people would put up with it. I don't understand what's going on. The latest is the one I saw where uh, some dude was making... Uh, just made a common internet joke, which is, I'm 12 and what is this? Which is, I find yeah. hilarious. Back I when uh, 4chan people were, were hiding uh, pornography in YouTube under different labels, uh, one of the comments for one of these uh, pornographic uh, inserts was... Some kid who actually wrote "I'm 12" and "What is this?" in in reference to, I believe, it was anal sex. Uh, it just—it's very funny to think about a 12-year-old kid looking for a Justin Bieber concert and finding something horrible like that. And then the comment was "I'm 12 and what is this?" because he's just confused about what's happening. And uh, that's—I I find that to be a funny joke. Uh, it's been done to death at this point, but somebody posted that on the Bioware forums, and uh, apparently, it's against the rules to be under 13 years of age and play uh, this game. So the person was banned for being underage, even though they're not underage. They just said, I'm 12 and what is this? That's above and beyond, I think, what people should be banned for. That seems a little silly. Uh, can you just check the credit card information or check the account or do something to confirm that this person is, in fact, not 12 years old? That seems a little silly. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they would do that over that or even just I, I I mean I guess they're not gonna sit there and like Google every phrase that they want to ban over, but it just seems kind of stupid that no one there recognized that, or at least I mean maybe it's only one guy. Maybe they're just having what's basically a call center, and people are going, you know what? Yeah, we'll ban him. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of their choices seem a little iffy at this point. I, I mean, they just started out. This is the first month of the game, right? And I think and, uh, part of it is also because that they're they're new to this whole thing. Like I was kind of wondering, right, like definitely. first off, like Bioware is usually really terrible at class balance, so I'm not expecting much from PvP here. But there's also that like they've really screwed up some of the classes just from the start. Like if you pick a Sith warrior, there's there's mm-hmm. two paths you can go. There's pure DPS or tank and DPS. 
the tank and DPS, for, well, first off, obviously, is the only tanking choice, and secondly, is also better DPS than the pure DPS version. How does that even make it out of the gate? Oh my god, do you remember some of the early items in World of Warcraft? I can't remember the yes. specific examples we used to laugh at, but some of the choices <laughs> were just showed an yeah. incredible uh, lack of understanding of the basic game mechanics, almost. What was that armor? There was something that we used to laugh at so hard. It had... Was it like was it cloth? It was like I don't remember. I I want to say there was like it was like a strength agility leather something. It was Um, something ridiculous that would benefit nobody, and just the fact that it was in the game almost seemed like it was a random stats just made by by uh, the roll of the die instead of uh, somebody crafted this armor and put into the game as a reward for beating a boss in an instance. It just seemed ridiculous. And I, I, I think Bioware is going to go through the same set of growing pains because uh, nobody gets this. Nobody, the, the main thing that Warcraft has over other MMOs is the fact that it's been around for so long. That's, that's what made me not want to play it anymore, but that's also what makes it so much better than every other MMO out there is the fact that uh, they have gotten through their awkward period with little to no competition and now are in a full effect and are just brushing these people aside because uh, it's not like not to say Warcraft did not go through the same amount of growing pains, but they what was the competition back then? Like Star Wars Galaxies? That game was shit. I mean, they're, they're at a point where they know what they're doing and they can yeah. like execute almost anything. And I'm like, yeah, some people are going to bitch about balance, but it's leagues closer than like oh, any definitely. other MMO. Yeah, they, they're already they're already established. Uh, it's it's very easy to just jump in and have a good time and. When it comes to these other games, so I do appreciate what Bioware is doing. I do like the whole idea, but it seems counteractive. I don't understand why they want to get into the MMO business so bad. Like it seems that their design philosophy and their games are are so much better served as a single player experience that they're actually making an MMO that feels a MMO that feels a lot like a single player game. And I just don't, I don't see well, the point. Here's here's the thing. Except there's, money, there's... I guess money right. is awesome. Well, there's two main things that I see there. One of them is money. I mean, basically what you're looking at is that uh, the Old Republic is essentially a way to to get basically free DLC for, for them. Like, they occasionally release content and people are paying for DLC every month. So they're always getting money for it. But the other thing is that this took a while and it took a long time to make and took a long time to come out. Um, and this was one of the things I went over in my review a bunch, which is that there is a ton of of story content, like more than any other RPG they've made in terms of different stories. Because every single class, all eight of them, like four on each side, um, has a really has, long story quest. I mean, yes. it's huge. It's, it's really long and it's completely different. It's not like Dragon Age, where you have this completely different prologue and then pretty much the entire rest of the game is the same and then your ending is a little different. This is it's from start to finish. If you pick Bounty Hunter, you have a specific story with certain antagonists and certain companions and so on and so forth. If you pick uh, Trooper, which is the equivalent of Bounty Hunter, you have a completely different story, completely different antagonists, completely different planets. It's it's not even the same experience between the two. You have different choices, uh, different dialogue options, and it's that way for all eight classes. Um, so it's it's not even like the other Knights of the Old Republic games where you're limited to being just a Jedi and then you pick, you know, whether or not you want to do good or evil choices. And here, if you want to be a Jedi, you have four totally different storylines to pick from. Two, you know, Republic, two Empire, and there's two different Jedi classes on each side. So yeah, it's, How long did it take them to make this content in the first place? And God, are they going to be able to keep... This? 
It took him like a thousand years. Uh, right. And uh, are they going to be able to keep up this level of content in the future? Because an MMO isn't isn't just today. I think most of the people playing the game on TNL have reached or are close to reaching the level cap within the first month of gameplay. Yeah. And I mean, it is it is quick because I I do think that they want to actually promote um, people replaying it. And honestly, even just for the single player content, like I kind of want to replay. Like, okay, my Sith Warrior is almost fifty. I kind of want to replay as another Sith warrior just to do different conversation choices and different stuff with my companions. I'm not going to because it's an enormous time investment, <laughs> right. but that desire is there. Well, and you know, different I think people that... play MMOs for very different reasons. Yes. So if you're the kind of person that plays MMOs for the questing and for the storylines, which I am, I think this game is, is a perfect fit. But there are a lot of people that don't play MMOs no. uh, in that if you, respect, uh, if you play it for the combat, I don't know how well that's going to be for. Yeah, this is not the game for you. Like, there's no combat log. There is no easy way to heal. It is the old like launch Warcraft style of healing. You click on an icon and then you hit a hotkey to heal your spell. Oh you have my to god! Click what year on is people. <laughs> there are no macros, so there's oh no mouse god. over macros. There's no <gasps> there's no anything. You can't even bind abilities together. If you have two abilities that are almost exactly the same, except one of them has a 15 second cooldown, you can't put them on the same button. Like you can't like you can't in Warcraft. It's you're pretty much playing as though it's Old Republic or another single player, or more like Dragon Age, really. <laughs> so it, it's it's a little clumsy if you think if you try to think of it as an MMO you're going to come away disappointed because it abandons all the standard shit that MMOs normally have in favor of absolutely nothing. But if you go into it looking as though it's a single-player game, oh, hey, I have a chat box and I can group up for quests, it's pretty fucking yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, as a single-player experience, I can see people, I can see it being really popular right now and maybe mm-hmm. for the next few months, but as an MMO that has to host its servers and... Uh, it's dependent on people staying around for uh, an extended period of time. I, it doesn't sound good to me. Like, yeah, it's it going to depend like, on on how they can come out with the content. Right, and they had a really hard time coming out with content on time, yeah. as it is. And they they do have a lot more stuff coming. Uh, just I think they're going to try and promote more single player content because they have this whole legacy thing, which is like your so your last weird. name. But yeah. the legacy doesn't do anything yet. And the main thing is that, first off, they don't have uh, homosexual relations with the companions. What? Um, you, you only have heterosexual pairings. They're going Bullshit. to implement homosexual pairings, but it's not in the game yet. So that's coming. New companions are coming. So possibly new love interests as well. Um, I want bestiality in <laughs> Can a Wookiee, were... would, would a Wookiee be bestiality? I guess they're a sentient race. The sentience count when it comes to to uh, designation. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and make a ruling and say they do. Or that. What's the legal? So they that would be okay, bestiality. So it would be even though they're <laughs> like, sentient beings. It's like fucking a werewolf. Well, you can't understand what they're saying though. Yeah, fucking a werewolf isn't best. Yeah, you can't. Han Solo can understand what they're saying. Well, he's he can't uh, be the only he's one. He's unique. I believe this podcast has jumped the shark. <laughs> Speaking of animals. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree, I Nick. We should I would move agree. On. So, should we move to what we've been playing? Time to move on to what we've been or playing. I think we've about covered uh, everything we care to cover about Bioware. So, yes. How about how about a new segment called "What We've Been Playing That's Not the Old Republic"? How about we do okay. that one? All right. Anybody? Dark Souls, maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, I I finally <laughs> oh, finished Dark Souls. Monster Hunter. Uh, <laughs> oh, did you beat it? Um, 
Nick is so desperate he's willing to listen to talk about <laughs> Dark Souls and Monster yeah, Hunter. So That's hilarious. I, <laughs> he's like, shut up about Star Wars. But it, yeah, anyway, I, I did manage to finally beat the game. I, you know, I, I was in a position to beat it for a while, but I sort of was doing additional like PvP content and you know doing some other stuff. Did you call for help on the last dude? Or did I did you do not. It I I did it solo, and okay. I good because I I don't think I would ask for help. I think I would yeah, rather. Do yeah, it, it was important. Off, yeah, so I just want to know that even it's that final boss. Yeah, you know because of how difficult he is. Like I just I just parried his attacks to death basically. Um, with enough practice, you can you can do it depending on you know the build that you have, and so I, I started the new game plus and uh, like I joined the PvP related covenant, and so I've just been attacking people left and right. It's been a, it's been a blast. Um, as far as other games, I uh, I downloaded Containment, the zombie puzzler on iOS, and I think it's on I think it's on another different a couple different platforms, but. Just as it sounds, it's basically a match three uh, columns type of uh, platformer where you, you sort of have there you have a board full of zombies and then you have to move around like cops or military guys or you know just mobs of people to to surround the zombies and then and then they'll like kill them and so for each board you have to kill all you the zombies what? it's it's I think I think I'm done with zombies. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, like, personally, I'm not a huge fan over. of zombies, but the, the game sounded interesting, so I checked it out. It's, the, the concept is kind of cool, but at least on the, on my iPad 1 that I'm running it on, it's, the load times are really bad. So, like, <laughs> I don't know if it's because at the time I was just running a lot of apps at the time, you know, while I was doing it, but that's never a good thing, especially on an iPad where we sort of expect more or less instantaneous loading. Um, so, you know, mostly that's what I've been um, playing. Uh, next, we have Chris and Chuck. I, I mean, think. it was pretty much Old Republic, and then also with Chuck, um, in, as long as with the Old Republic, as we've both been playing Hero Academy on uh, the iPhone. Um, which is basically just, it's a turn-based strategy game, like a little miniature one. Uh, and it's, I don't know, like, I think it's really fun just because it's an online thing that can take, like, forever. Like, sometimes Chucks and I will only do, like, two moves in a day, and other times we can just sit there and, <laughs> like, basically, like, go back and forth. But it's just, it's fun to, like, send out a move and then put my phone away, and a little while later I'll hear a little ding and be like, oh, snaps, it's a turn. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I have, I think, like, five or six games going on right now. And, you know, if it's a slow day at work, I can knock out a few, you know, moves. And it's it's literally, you get five, is it five or six? Five. Um, turns for, you know, per yeah. move. I'm using air quotes, nobody can see it. <laughs> and uh, you can the, move your guys the, uh... around. <laughs> and, uh, is it the, still free? Yeah, it's free. The objective is um, to either kill the other guy's, you know, uh, army or attack these two crystals or one crystals, depending on uh, what stage you're on. And either, you know, whomever's army is defeated or whoever's crystals are, you know, destroyed first, they lose. So where does the money um, come in? What do you pay for in this game? Anything? You can pay for stupid things, except for armies. Armies are the only thing you should be paying for. Um, 
because it's different, different classes races. and they play different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but you can it's it's microed a lot. You can get like different colors, um, different avatars, which do nothing. It's just you know completely cosmetic. You can buy taunts to send to your opponent when you submit your term, and they they get used up over you have time. To pay for it's that just, shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that shit. is that is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you don't have to do it at all. So well, you right. know, but obviously. it's like that, or like he was saying, like colors. Like I was surprised about that. Like you literally have no choice in colors. It's like you are blue. Your opponent is red. Would you like to purchase <laughs> more colors? Like no, fuck you. So <laughs> I bought the colors. They were only a dollar. So I want to be green. Constantly be being green. prompted Fox. for micro for microtransactions throughout the game. No, 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 no. Okay. You well, never good. are. It's, it's, you have to go out of your way to find these things. Okay. So that's why I did like, it. Like, if I you go the, to customize. Yeah. I think, um, I think if you buy the, the Dark Elves, which is the only other army available, then that gets rid of all of the, um, the advertisements. Yeah. And that was 99 cents. So I said, sure, why not? Oh, that's yeah, good. As soon as, 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 soon as you buy a, a race. Game. That's worth it. Right. And they're, go- they're going to release, I think, at least one more race. Or, yeah, there, there's going to be dwarves. So it's a lot of fun. It's cool. like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics in your pocket against other people's. That sounds neat. I mean, it's free. I'm gonna give it. I'm downloading it right now. Yeah, iTunes. you should. Trial Sword just well, I send me a move. Yeah, I think I'll check so. it out as well. Yeah. yeah. You know what? My name is Mizo. You'll send me a message. Yeah, I, I just saw you add me. <laughs> I'm a. Week ago. I'm the Madge Dynasty. But yeah, other than that, uh, I played. I played Tor and and this, and I mean some Final Fantasy IV DS, but that's that's about it. That's child's play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been, uh, let me see. I mean, I've been playing Mass Effect like crazy. I didn't really put that much time into it, but uh, it's, it's been pretty much most of my free time. And uh, on the go, I've been playing Half Minute Hero on the PSP. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Which, by the way, is an excellent little game. It I've is, heard nothing but uh, good things. The only negative I can level it. at it is that the menus are are disgusting. It's like, if the PSP somehow had default menus that were just... No, it's a very good game, but I'm just saying the menus are hideous. Like, the loading bar is just a blue loading bar on a black screen, like, just a perfect block of blue at the bottom of this. It's just, I can't, like, you just put a little graphic or something, you know? <laughs> What's at least up, the launch word PS1 loading. games? I mean, anything, but it's honestly, like, yeah, it's it's the most utilitarian, like, UI you could think of. But the game itself is, is, is very charming. Uh, it's got a cute little pixel style to it, and, uh, the main mode is called Hero 30, and every single uh, 30 second or every single uh, mission, there's 30 different games or missions in Hero 30, and each one has a little title sequence where it says Hero 30, then the big numeral one comes up, and then uh, you get a little bit of exposition story, and then you're sent out to uh, level up and buy items, and then go to the dude's castle and finish him off, and it all takes place. Uh, in a very quick span of time. You only have 30 seconds, so uh, leveling up is done very quick. Random encounters, you pretty much rush through the battles. Uh, you don't really control the battles, they kind of control themselves. It's just two people running at each other, hitting each other, like bouncing off each other, numbers flying out, and then the winner keeps going, the loser falls off the screen. Uh, it's it's very well done. Uh, there's the goddess of time that you pay money for at her statues to extend your time a little bit, because 30 seconds is not enough. Uh, in the later missions to get the job done, but and she's always trying uh, to gouge you, you for more money. <laughs> yeah, she has a great personality. She is. She is I wouldn't hilarious date her, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like she, she's a very, she's a funny character, where she's in it for the money. That's what she wants, 
and you're trying to save the world. And, and it's also available on, on uh, Xbox Live Arcade for those who don't have a PSP. I don't know if they changed anything for it. I haven't. I, I haven't think that, seen the Live Arcade. There's a graphics. The graphics mode. Um, I think they've got like a wa- more like a watercolor type. Uh, yeah, graphics style. That. Um, it's really it's worth fun. it. It's really worth it. Okay. There's co-op too. I, I, it has a pretty like it starts off as just making fun of the average uh, JRPG storyline, but by the end of it, it's kind of developed its own storyline. So it kind of transcends uh, the 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 humor into uh, having its own little uh, thing going on. And then there are extra modes uh, when you're done with Hero Thirty. I didn't get a hundred percent when I finished. I assume there are maybe uh, different paths or at least different things I can do in the game itself, different choices in certain scenarios that it didn't take. So there's a little bit of depth to it. And uh, the other modes all seem very quick and throwaway. Uh, there's Evil Lord 30, where uh, you play as, as, a, as one of the Evil Lords you defeated in your in your 30-second uh, hero game. And uh, this guy is, plays more like a mini RTS, uh, where it's just rock, paper, scissors. There's uh, the blue guys, the red guys, and the green guys. And each one can defeat another one. Uh, one is like a ranged attack, one's like a nimble quick uh, dodgy move attack and the other one's like a big brute slow attack so you have like three different uh creatures that you can summon and then uh, send off on their way and uh, that also takes place within 30 seconds uh the time goddess is also there helping you out for money as usual and uh it's it's funny it's cute it's very quick uh it's, it's a very short story for that one and then uh the one i'm currently on is princess 30 where it's just more like a it's almost like a like a side scrolling or it's sometimes vertical, sometimes horizontal, a shooting game, where uh, you are a princess being carried by a lot of little tiny uh, soldiers, and uh, they can all get knocked. Like the more soldiers you have, the faster you go. Uh, the more you stay on the r- paved road, the faster you move. Uh, getting off on the grass or doing some other stuff will slow you down. Uh, it's just it's funny. Uh, the people get hit and they run. Like you lose soldiers, so you move slower as you take damage. And each little individual soldier can say something, and they usually scream out people's names. As you lose soldiers, someone suddenly say, "No, not Bob!" You know, just real little funny touches to the game. It's it's all very charming, and it's got and, good uh, replay value too. And you can you can find different paths. There are different. I remember there was a different. Um, you can uncover different monsters um, if you go down a certain way. If you don't rush through, your tendency is to rush through, and you got thirty seconds. Just go to the castle as fast as you can. But if you take some detours, if you do things a certain way, different paths open up, and yeah, I think that's you the can only get way. Allies, you can rescue people or not rescue people. Yeah, it's it's very cool. The the hero the hero portion seems to be the main game mm-hmm. uh, behind the entire package, and it's it's very well done and it's a lot of fun, and it's very quick. So yeah, repo value is, is encouraged. But uh, it also has the other modes that I mentioned. They all seem fairly throwaway so far. Uh, there's still three question marks in the menu. I don't know what they become or what becomes unlocked. But uh, we'll let you guys know next week. All right. I, I don't recall what the last mode is. I remember that there was something that was very, you know, it might have been an Xbox Live exclusive thing. But there was a mode that you unlocked at the end that I thought was very clever. But I don't recall what it was. But it, it is a game that keeps you playing. Um, I think it's not something you'll play like Final Fantasy where you'll sit there and play it for five or six hours. You know, this is more of a bite-sized game, but it's it's got a lot of value it, to it. It's, it's great on the go. It's, it almost mm-hmm. feels like like an i like an iPhone game, to be honest. It's almost like a like a casual iPhone right. game, but it, it's very Design well done. Along those and, same uh, lines. The dialogue is great. It's it, it is like an iOS game. You just turn it on. You do a few things for a few seconds. You actually accomplish things. You get some stuff done, and you turn it off, and you come back to it later. But uh, so far, it's been a lot of fun. I've also tried today. Actually, I tried the. Uh, 
Resident Evil demo on the 3DS. Have you guys played Not that? Not yet. I heard it. I heard it's it just came out. Right now. Yeah. You can get it. As soon as I get my 3DS. <laughs> yeah, I didn't download it yet. Yeah. Well, you can download the demo. Uh, oddly enough, the demo has 30 uses before uh, it goes away. Which, has anyone done that before? What is that? Isn't that weird? Kind of strange, but I, you know, I don't think I'd play it. I, mean, 30 I don't is think plenty. I'd play a demo more than that. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's not the number that bothers me. It's just I just don't understand. Like, do, do they think that the demo is so good that people will will keep it and then never buy the game itself because the demo is just so? Well, now isn't isn't Resident Evil? Isn't that the game that's going to be packaged with the Circle Pad in the U.S.? Yeah, you know what? I played it. I played the demo. It seems to play just fine without the circle pad. Okay, I can that see was my how question. the circle pad would make the game better. Uh, I don't know if if it gives you different control options. If it gives you the the chance to move and shoot at the same time, which is not available to you uh, without the circle pad. Like, I, if it adds that functionality, then I could see it being a very, very a different experience. But as it is, I don't really see what it would do. As as it is, it actually plays like. It's it's similar looking to Resident Evil 4. The graphics are incredible, by the way. It's probably the best thing I've seen in the 3DS so far. I was I was very taken aback by how good it looked. Uh, the 3D is is well done. It's got the little Resident Evil text. Uh, it's you know in front of everything else. Uh, I, there hasn't been too much 3D in the game itself. I mean it's it is 3D. You can see the difference by turning it on and off. But it's kind of a subtle effect. I mean there's nothing that's been rushing at the screen or pointing their fingers Captain EO style at you or anything. But uh, it's so it's more depth of field, right? Yeah, it's definitely more depth of field, uh, which seems to be the the. But if it's like you wake up in a mansion setting, I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I want to tell you where you actually are. But it, it plays kind of like Resident Evil Four, but the atmosphere, the setting, uh, everything from the demo. This is just the demo. The game itself could could take you to very odd places by the end, and I wouldn't know. But the demo itself feels very much like uh, like the original Resident Evil, which to me is something that has been sorely missing from these games for a long time now. And uh, the ammunition, uh, enemies did not drop ammunition when I killed them. Uh, it was, you found them on the go, uh, along, like, on, on tables, in, on a chair, in the mansion, just as in the old games. So uh, it seemed pretty cool. It seemed exactly like what I want from a Resident Evil game. Yeah, why is it Resident Evil if you're not in a residence now, if you're just walking <laughs> around a town? Good point, good but, point. Uh, I don't know, they were, you get, like, a little scanner machine where you can scan rooms for extra items and uh you can you can scan enemies and you know add to the percentage of knowledge you have on them that will lead to something in the future which i enjoy it's it's a thing i enjoy in any video game that has it i remember bioshock had it well other games have well, had i think scan uh, xcom is probably the first game that did something like that metroid, yeah metroid prime had it prime had it yeah prime was a big one with the scanning so it has that and it's kind of neat I, I like scanning, to be honest. I, I find pleasure in it, and I don't, I don't know why, but I do. So I, I, if you haven't tried it out and you have a 3 I'm going to look up the I word scanning on the Urban Dictionary and see if you're, if you're talking <laughs> no, about what I think you are. I actually meant like the, the German use of scanning, which is when you poop on people's chests. <laughs> That's yeah. something that's I know. There, you go. there we but, go. But uh, yeah, if you have a 3DS, highly recommended. Uh, it's, it's, of course, it's a demo. It's free. You only got to play it 30 times, but uh, so it's, it's pretty impressive. Watch it. It, I had no interest in Resident Evil on the 3DS, to be honest, and now uh, that's changed dramatically for me. All right, so, so mission accomplished for that demo, sounds like. Exactly, <laughs> yes. So um, I think we have Nick left, but I, I don't know if he wanted to defer this week. Talking about yeah, I've just playing. been playing Saints Row, the third multiplayer, and I'm trying to get all the multiplayer trophies. 
Um, and I'm, uh, I made up a new character, so I'm not, I'm not gonna a hundred percent the game yet, but I'm trying to just get the, um, the trophies for the multiplayer, but the person I'm playing with is one of those people that just stays there and just keeps firing at people till the helicopters come and kill them. You know, <laughs> I just want to get the missions done. And, you know, and the funny thing, I don't know if I went into this before, but one of the funny things about this game is this amnesia where if you run into a store that you own or a, a property that you own, you could have the entire world gunning for you and they just forget. They just, that, yeah, they're yeah, done. The aggro is totally <laughs> gone. So I'm running into this, the shop and I was like, okay, let's get rid of these guys and let's go on to the next mission. He's just out there. I'm just, I'm screaming at the TV because there's no good voice chat on the PS3 that I'm aware of. I'm just screaming at the TV, get in the shop so we can go on. And you should not play with assholes. That is my, that is my advice to you. Yeah. But who else, who else is, I, I think only like three people own a PS3 in the world. Uh, at least it seems that way to me. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I I don't, don't know what else to play I with. wouldn't buy a game. I wouldn't play a game on a PS3. <laughs> I have one. It's just for looks. Basically. It's to attract the ladies. Yeah. Naturally. Watch this. Well, she loves it. I thought it was a George Foreman grill when I bought it. Hey, who wants to wants to watch it update? Speaking of, of reasons why I want... Hold on. Of why I have a PS3. Has <laughs> anyone on. played that game on the PlayStation Network that's like... Like the old JRPG maker type of thing, but you're, uh, I think it's, it's like a survivor horror game in a school or something like that, or school oh, kids are involved. I know what you're talking about. No. Was, was that PS, it was for something PSP, party. wasn't it? Corpse Party? Oh, Corpse, Corpse party? party, yeah. That, well, isn't that a PSN game? Is it a PSP I think PSN that's a P- game? I think I that's a PSP know. game, if I'm not mistaken. I've, I've yeah, read about it. It actually before. started life as an RPG maker game. It was yeah, original. Yeah, I mean, yeah its tell. very first version was free. Um, and then it, I think this is Corpse Party is like the third game in the series or something like that. Okay. Well, it's, it, it's just, I just like the juxtaposition of, uh, <laughs> of th- those kind of graphics and, uh, you know, people dying like in gory ways, you know, just those two things don't seem to go together too well, but telling a horror story, uh, under, th- with, with those, it kind of like uh, that other shitty game I just finished playing, by the way, what was the name of that game? To the Moon. Yeah, I actually finished that off, and uh, I wait to I the moon. Wasn't that a, wasn't that an NES game? No, well, no, you're thinking oh, of to, to the, the Earth, <laughs> which is a completely <laughs> different game. This was another. This was a PC game, RPG Maker. Uh, it was it was just used. I just I just like the interactive novel type of game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I I like using uh, unorthodox tools to tell a story. I I, I find that interesting, and uh, To the Moon did a good job of that. The writing was horrendous. I'm sorry. I, the yeah. dialogue was just miserable. It's just the word. It's, it's, it's like okay. If you have like, if you in high school had friends that really were into JRPGs, and they've grown up and now they're writing dialogue for a game, that's exactly what this is. This is exactly the kind of garbage that they would write. And uh, I found the characters kind of interesting. I found the story interesting. And if they're actually coming out with multiple episodes, I would be interesting to find out because you could just have a new patient in each episode and tell a completely different story based on uh, a different person's life. And in that respect, I think it would be a good series to continue. But uh, definitely get better writers because the whole working designs... They need better designs, character writers, yeah. Yeah, the whole working designs, telling stupid jokes about things that are happening, you know, just topical shit, not working out for me. I kind of don't like that at all but whatever they just i mean they stuck in so many stupid little memes and sayings and stuff just to get you know almost just to mention them like hey you know we all play video games you remember this it's like no stop 
Stop yeah, the, the attempts at humor Ugh. were painful. I mean, I thought overall it was... I, I think it kind of um, elevated above its level of dialogue. I mean, I just thought that the story elements were strong enough for that. But there was definitely yeah, the plot like... elements were strong enough to transcend the horrible writing. I yeah. And I like, did you guys, it in the end. You guys need better dialogue writers. Like, hand off definitely. your script to someone else who knows how to write. Yeah, because I mean, it makes you cringe a little bit, and it's just like, mm-hmm. so I, I want to know, uh, when I finished that, I, I remember that there was a game I was interesting in, interested in on the PlayStation Network called Cobra's Party, and I was hoping that somebody else here had played it so they could tell me a little bit about it, but... I want to, I'll but not to, yet. I'm just going to buy it. I want to buy it right now. <laughs> it's over. It's my controller. Go for broke. Triumph or die. So is that it? I think that's it. I think, <laughs> we, yes. I think we're done. I think we've exhausted our many, many topics for conversation this week. Yes. And, every, and every ounce of goodwill we've built up. So, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. <laughs> and hopefully we've got ourselves some new listeners out of this podcast. Do we know what – do we have a preview for next week? Do we have any idea what we're going to – Well, I'll give them a taste. You, you were talking about peripherals and then – but. Something came up. What, what did we talk about? Something came up during the course of this podcast. I said, oh, we should do that next week. But I don't even remember what it is. Uh, I do want to talk about peripherals. 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 Okay. So we can hear a Mizzo bitch for 20 minutes about every single peripheral that's ever come out. So tune in next week, guys. Until then, we'll be back. Oh, 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 oh.